0: This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics.
1: Drive to deep center field, going
2: back Hernandez at the track, right to the wall, Done Elvis Andrews!
0: And 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left field,
2: Meneo the building. Guerrero lifts one to left
3: field, and...
0: Here's Chris Townsend.
4: We are officially back in 2022. Yes, A's Cast Live. We got to come on for a little bit yesterday. A lot of you probably didn't get to hear it because it was just out of the blue after the CBA was ratified and voted on by both the Major League Baseball owners and the Major League Baseball Players Association. All great news. But this is the very first official A's cast live of 2022. And I can't tell you how great it is to be back to talk baseball, to talk about the A's, to talk about the upcoming season. And to get you ready for the roller coaster ride that we love the most, that is Major League Baseball. It's been a it's been a while. You know, we didn't get to talk to you. We haven't been on since, we haven't had a live show really since late November. So we didn't go through the holidays together, Christmas and the New Year's like we normally do. We usually go to the winter meetings. They were canceled. Uh, They've been canceled for the past couple of years, you know, obviously because of COVID and then now the lockout and, you know, the start of the new year and free agency and, And signing guys where the A's love to do business, which is after the winter meetings, after New Year's. We didn't get to have that. And we've just been basically a plane that's been grounded. We understood it. Baseball was smart that people inside the game were told, just don't do anything. Wait till the deal is done. Because the only thing that we could have done is get in trouble. (laughs) <laughs> uh Commander Cody with me here, first show really of twenty twenty two. And I think and I think the powers that be were so right. You know, at first we you know, we never want to go off the air. For God's sakes, when COVID took us off the schedule and we kept Ace Cast Live going. I mean, we basically did eight months of baseball with no baseball. So we don't actually need games to do a show. We can do a show, there's no question. But this was big-time business. This was negotiations. And the last thing that we really needed is to have a newsmaker on like today. We're going to have Maury Brown on from Forbes. We're going to have the voice of your Oakland Athletics, uh, Ken Korak at 2, Maury at one thirty, Jesse Rogers, who I watched earlier today on MLB Network. By the way, I have a reason to watch my favorite channel again. I had been boycotting MLB Network because they hadn't been showing anything but old baseball, and I'm like, I did all this during COVID. I'll be back. When the sport's back, I'll be back. I have been I taped all last night, all the different coverage, and it ended up being a lot of reruns, and I've been taping all this morning watching. Jesse Rogers was on MLB tonight earlier this morning. He'll be here from ESPN and MLB at 2.30. And then the manager, your new manager, will be making his second appearance here on A's Cast Live this year. We had him after he was announced and, as the new manager, and we'll have him again today at 3.30. So Brown at 1.30, Korak at 2, Rogers at 2.30, Kotze at 3.30. But, Cody, I do think it was the right call for us not to be on, not for you and me, we understand, but when you're bringing people on and there's so much that they're they're guessing on, you know all the newsmakers. If you felt, if you followed them on Twitter during this time, they are all over the place. They're—I they, mean, you talk about a roller coaster. And they're emotional, and they're up and down. And you know they're reporting one thing, and two days later, it's something completely different. But. I think it was the right call for us to slow down and just let the process go because the last thing we wanted was, you know, someone like uh, like today, Jesse Rogers comes on A's Cast Live and says this and it goes viral and and it be information that's not good for the organization and maybe information that's uh, not good for anybody. So it, it, it was a time not to be a newsmaker, and I'm glad that the higher-ups made that call for, hey, you guys sit back. Relax, and once the deal's over, you're back on the air.
2: It was a long, long time since we've done a live show. It was November 29th is what I said yesterday. So end of November through now, uh until yesterday. We were you know, essentially I was editing and putting up classic games on Ace Cast. We did a certain, you know, couple things with Mark Kotze and Dave Cavill, and we did uh I did the Ricky documentary with Vince, but it's been kind of slow and you know obviously with the lockout there hasn't been a lot of player movement but hey we've been on the air for what how long now uh 5 minutes and we already got breaking news from Jeff Passen left-handed starter Carlos Rodon and the Giants are in agreement on a 2-year $44 million contract that includes an opt-out after the first season sources familiar with the deal told ESPN That so, is huge Rodon a good a, he had a good year last year with the uh the White Sox he remember he had a didn't he pitch a no-hitter last year i want to say he had a no-hitter for the White Sox, rode on last year, thirteen and five, a two three seven ERA in twenty four starts, one hundred eighty five Ks and one hundred thirty two and two thirds innings. Really nice sign for uh, our old friend Farhan and the Giants.
4: Well, it really is a one year deal. Yeah, it, because there is an opt out after the first season, so it's two years, forty four million. For Rodon, well, he was North Carolina State, Yeah, I NC think. State, yeah. So, Rodon, two years, 44, but he's got an opt-out after one. And, you know, Farhan continues the money ball strategy just with a team that has money. And you're not out there giving a long-term commitment, and you're doing what we have talked about for years here on A's Cast, is why not overpay – and not have a long-term commitment. I'll give you I'll give you more money, but here is only a two-year, three-year, four-year deal. This is the smart business, right? This is what the Dodgers, this is what the really smart teams are doing now. Where you look at you know the Trevor Bauer deal before all the mess of last year Trevor Bauer. You know, they didn't give Trevor Bauer eight years. You're not giving someone seven, eight, ten years because those contracts, for the most part, almost 90-something, I, I would go even higher than 95% of the time, they don't work, and they don't work out to be great deals. So here's your commitment. Two years, $44 million. The player can walk after a year. You're basically getting him for next year. You're constantly living in the now. You're constantly keeping payroll flexibility for the future. And that is key. And that's a lot of what this deal is for me. When when we talk about the CBA, I don't care about the money. And a lot of you may say, is that my computer or your computer? I think it was your phone, it was actually. My phone, okay. Um for you and me, folks, as someone who works in Major League Baseball, but more importantly, someone as myself who's a fan, and you listening, you're a fan. The money, the money, really, what guys are getting paid, it, it, it does affect us, and I'm going to go into that real quick. But whether players are getting five hundred and seventy thousand as a minimum salary or seven hundred thousand, what do I care? I mean, what do I care? What this arbitration pool? What the the CBT taxes? Uh, what do that? What? That, how does that affect me? Am I making more money? Are any of you making more money? No. We just want the sport. We just want to see the actual game, the sport in between the lines. Let let let. Don't even concern yourself with that. We're missing basically what seven days. That's not a big deal. Baseball's going to start on April 7th. For the A's, we'll start in Philadelphia on April 8th. That's better anyway, for God's sakes. And and still, we might have bad weather on April 8th in Philadelphia on the East Coast. You know, watching games in snow and rain, March, early April, I mean, baseball really shouldn't start till later in April, even though you're still going to have bad weather at that point. Um, but just the business side of it really doesn't concern us. Where it does concern you and what bothers me about the media, and it shows how tone-deaf they are because Evan Drellich came out from The Athletic with the the players won this. And I go, you know, you just don't get it. Because no matter where you live on this planet, and no, no matter how your world is governed on this planet, whether you live in a democracy, right, or you live in communism or socialism, whatever ism you live in, we do know one thing. The buck always gets passed to the consumer. Everything gets passed to you. Go fill up gas right now. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So the fact that the players get more money, yay! You know what that means? Doesn't mean ticket prices are coming down. Doesn't mean parking's coming down. Doesn't mean beer's going to be cheaper, or t-shirts, hats, jerseys are going to be cheaper. The buck always gets passed to you, me, the consumer. So media people can view this all they want, but remember, media people, whenever you're reading anybody's article, always remember, they really don't think about the true business side of it. They get media passes. They get parking passes. They don't pay for what you pay for. They go to games for free. So they see it in a totally different way. Like I broke this down to Cody when I got to Cody's house today. I said, Cody, I know you don't think of it this way, and what would you say? I
2: don't, because I get to go to games for free as well.
4: Yeah, you don't think about, wait a minute, why are my ticket prices higher? Well, they're paying players more. You think it's great players are getting paid more? Okay, guess what? Cost is going to go on to you. Not all of it, some of it, no question. So that's why, uh, am I happy for the players? Sure, good for them. Do I think the players won? I I, I, I believe that if you think the players won, you're very naive, in the end, if you really want to look at this from a business standpoint, the owners knew they were going to have to pony up more money. But the money they're making on the backside, when we've talked about, and you if you haven't been following baseball, Major League Baseball is now becoming a content provider, and the main part of their sport is providing their games to these new outlets. They have done a deal with Peacock and NBC, that they're going to be streaming games on Peacock and they've now done a deal with Apple for Apple Plus and they're going to be having a doubleheader streaming on Apple Plus uh a doubleheader every Friday night. I guarantee the A's will be a, in a, on a lot of those games. And they're making hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. So the little money that they had to pony up for the players for to take them from 570 to 700,000 or over the life of this deal, uh, for this arbitration pool, which is $250 million, and people go, ooh, that's big. The structure of the sport did not change. Free agency, free agency didn't change. Arbitration didn't change. They basically gave the players peanuts. They took it, and now for the next five years, they don't have to listen to it. That's really what kind of this deal comes down to. They gave the players, here, here, here you go, just take this and shut up for five years. And on the back end, we're going to make hundreds of millions of dollars off how we're now going to distribute our, our game. That's the reality of it. And I, and I know that's harsh, and that's not warm and fuzzy, but I'm giving you the real, as we do here on A's Cast Live. The amount of money baseball is now making with their new ventures dwarfs the money in this deal. They gave the. This is why the eight, the executive committee, the eight players that were there through all the negotiations, they all voted against this deal. Why? Because they know. Because they're really there representing the agents. And the agents all know. There was way more to have. So, you know what? In the end, if you really look behind the scenes, the owners did enough to satisfy them. Now they don't have to listen to it for another five years. And the business of baseball, and what makes me happy today is that baseball is modernizing itself. That's the number one thing that I'm at. Two things that I'm thrilled about with this CBA that make me real excited that should make you excited as a fan. One, expanded playoffs. Expanded playoffs has been good for everybody. You name the sport. NFL, NBA, NHL, golf, tennis, college basketball, college football, expanded playoffs has been nothing but good for everybody. And trust me, more teams are going to be in it. That means more teams are going to try. Hopefully that will bring less tanking. And that gets more people excited in September with a chance to make the postseason. Because what do we know? We know one thing. If you get into the postseason, you have a chance. All you got to do is get into the dance to find a dance partner. If you get in, you have a chance to win the World Series. Whether you're a long shot or not, you got a chance. And that's all you can ask for. So I love the expanded playoffs. And what this deal really starts to pave the way for is changing the sport and modernizing it and getting it ready for what everybody else does. We're going to, next year, everybody plays everybody. Forget the interleague play and, hey, you're going to take on this team and then you'll see them in four years. Nope. Everybody is going to play everybody starting next year. And every other year, Every team, will come, every team at one point in a two-year span will come to your ballpark. So no more of, hey, we never get to see Mike Trout in the National League. Hey, we never get to see Fernando Tatis Jr. in the American League. Nope. So what this is paving the way for is expansion of 32 teams, modernizing the game, realignment, which you know how big I am on that, This is going to turn baseball into a modern sport which will be better for all of us, the viewers. The archaic people want to hang on to the National League and the American League because that's what they grew up with. But you know what? We 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 can't make decisions for them anymore. We have to get away from them. We already got them. They're already going to be fans of the game. We're trying to build the next generation of fans. And the next generation of fans have they've latched on to the nfl they've latched on to the nba and if you modernize it make it better for the fans and let's face it make 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 more regional rivalries with realignment all good for the sport so baseball is starting to slowly but surely release the archaic ways we're going to have rule changes all the time now that will better the sport. You don't have to have a holy war to make it happen. When are shifts officially banned? I think it's next year, 2023. Okay, so when are the bigger bags in? Is that next year too? Yeah, I think all the – and then the pitch
2: clock is supposed to be 2023. Let me just double check to make sure we got the
4: August. year. to speed up the game. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, everything is going to be what's better for the game. And sometimes you do experiment. They experiment with the – Uh, Extra innings rule, which I wish was still in place, but it won't be. But at least you learn what's best for the game. That's, to me, that's the big winner, the fan. Is that they're going to actually start making the game more for the fan. Easier to follow for the fan. You think little kids in the Bay Area feel a rivalry with the Texas teams? You think the little kids in the Bay Area fill the rivalry with, if you're a Giants fan, ooh, that big rivalry between the Giants and the Rockies, a team in Colorado? Can you imagine how great it would be if you've got the Giants, the A's, the Dodgers, the Angels, the Padres, all in the same division? And every year you get to see every single team? I mean, how's It is so archaic to think that back in the day, the National League and the American League never played each other. So a great National League player never played at Yankee Stadium or Fenway Park. Like, when you think about that now, can you imagine that if you just try to think about, okay, let's take yesteryear. Babe Ruth would have never played in a National League park. The the, the biggest icon player in the history of the game could only be seen by half the league. You realize how stupid that is? Can you imagine, like, modernizing that and saying, yeah, Tom Brady will never play in an an NFC stadium. If you went on, think about that, because he'd only play in the AFC, take his Tampa days out. He'd only play in in the AFC and the Super Bowl, would be in a neutral site. He'd never play against an NFC team. Like, you'd shake your head. Michael Jordan never comes to your town. Larry Bird, Magic Johnson never come to your town. Modernize it. Steph Curry or LeBron James never play in your arena. That's crazy talk. Well, with load management, they don't always play when they come to your town. Okay, of course (laughs) you're going to spoil the point. But do you understand what I'm saying, Mr. Spoil the Point? Yes. I mean, that's the... How could you not want to have Wayne Gretzky come to your arena? That's what people still try and hold on to. I'm going to have to get after Ken Korak at 2 o'clock. Ken Korak hates interleague play. I don't think Ken Korak's going to feel about now everybody's going to play everybody. They're essentially going to start getting away from American League National League. And old-timers are going to hate that. Because back in the day, they were two separate leagues. The American League and the National League each had their own commissioners. Or were they presidents? They had their own presidents.
2: Yes, they were presidents.
4: How so, I mean, it's just its so, oh, my God. It's so old. Let it go. They're modernizing the sport, and I think that's a big win for everybody. And the sport will be able to grow, right? You go to 32 teams. That's good for the players. It's good for the owners. We realign. I, I just, to me, I, that 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 to me is the number one thing. Expanded playoffs, good. Uh, modernizing the sport, good. Those are my big takeaways as fans for the CBA. What are yours?
2: I think the expanded playoffs are a huge thing as well because now you get to see, you know, like you said, you get to see players. If you're a young kid and you like to print out a tatis, but you live in Atlanta, you know, you're not going to see, or no, that's a bad example. You're you're live in Tampa. You're not going to see him. You're going to see him once every four years. Yeah, yeah. You get to see the Yankees come to town, but I mean, you kind of sick of seeing the Yankees. So getting well, you're you're
4: Minnesota. You don't get to see Fernando Tatis Junior. Yeah, it, I I really like the idea of that, and you know, the
2: balanced schedule of in, of getting the chance to to play and see these guys. I think the biggest thing for me, though, oh come on, it's it's easy. The universal DH pitchers hit one ten last year, folks. One, ten, but, yes, a traditionalist. And I'm a National League traditionalist. I grew up in a National League city. I don't want to see pitchers hit. Yes, it was cool that the last pitcher did a home run ever in a game was Giants pitcher Logan Webb on October 3rd last year. The last pitcher to ever get a hit was Zach Greinke in the play, in the World Series. Max Scherzer, who signed the biggest deal AAV-wise for a starting pitcher, won over 59 last year at the plate. He also fought a bunt off his face a few years ago and broke his nose. Do we want to see that? The answer is no. I mean, come on. you got to have some
4: pride. He was 0 for 59? 59. Yeah. God, have some pride.
2: I mean, Sean I had more hits last year than Max Scherzer, and he only bats a couple of times out of the year.
4: Oh, how tired was that when you saw a pitcher get a hit and everybody comes up the top step? Ah,
2: they clap. It's like, really? But back in high school, they were probably one of the best hitters on their team. That's the thing. Like, it's so crazy that you go from being a great hitter in high school than never hitting again once you hit college. But – That's the biggest thing for me, getting the universal DH. I love the expanded postseason, but the universal DH, for me, I mean, spare me the I'm going to stand up in the box and watch three pitches go by
4: and walk back to the dugout and sit down. I don't need to see that anymore. Well, this also may, too, be the start of, in the next five years, something that has been threatened as a holy war you know, there's certain things that the players union would not address. Back in the day with steroid testing, they did not want that. And also a salary cap. But these negotiations, yes, were there adva- advancement for the players? No question. But for the overall players, would an actual real salary cap be better for the entire group? Remember... Players pay dues into the union. The union is supposed to work for all players, not just superstars, not just guys with the seven-digit 7, seven digit contracts. They're supposed to work for everybody, right? Would a salary cap long-term be better for everybody? Agents don't like it because they don't ever want the very elite players to be capped but you know the tide rises all seas right if you had a salary cap which essentially now would bring in a salary floor would the average major league because let's face it you can't compare the nfl they have too many guys we can look at the nba Because you've got 26 players in Major League Baseball on the roster. What's the NBA? 12, 14? I think it's – well, it used to be 15. Okay, that's not that far off. I think 12 dress. Okay, it's 15? I think, yeah. Versus 26? That's not a – look at the average amount because of the salary cap what the average NBA player makes. (laughs) Uh, I believe Steph Curry makes. No, what's the average guy? Oh. Now what Steph makes. See, Steph's an elite player. Get away from the elite guys. What is the average guy in the NBA? I guarantee it's more than baseball. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because
2: they were talking about just, for example, Jordan Poole from the Warriors, who is up for a contract. He's a young a young player. He, they're saying he could get four years, $80 million after the season. That's $20 million a year for a guy that comes off the bench for the yeah. Warriors. Yeah. A guy that makes $20 million in baseball. Carlos Rodon just signed for $44 million over two years. That's twenty one million dollars per year if you if or no, sorry twenty two million dollars per year I thought it was forty two, so you do it like that. Jordan Poole, a guy who comes off the bench, is gonna make more uh, making is gonna make just as much as a guy that's one of the per, one of the best pitchers in baseball last season. It's crazy because yeah, of the salary cap and the the TV deal for basketball
4: is insane too. You're only talking. Baseball has 11 more players. Now, obviously, a 40-man roster, that stuff's all different. Whatever. But I'm talking about just at the big club level for the NBA 15, baseball 26, it's just 11-player difference. So it's not crazy to compare the two. Could a salary cap long-term be better for everybody? With you know, The salary cap always goes up, and you can always tie salary caps to money that's coming in for the owners as they do in the NBA. Is that what's coming next? And is that what's really good for the sport? I mean, I don't care if Mike Trout gets a... Until that affects my bank account, I don't care that Mike Trout's got a $400 million contract. Uh, Mookie Betts, Fernando Tatis, Lindor, these $300 million deals, I don't care. It doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect you. Why would we care how much money these guys make? But for the overall health of the sport, You know, that's what they did in the NBA. They granted, like Kevin Garnett had that crazy contract. They created this really hard cap, and the crazy contracts, like Kevin Garnett, just got grandfathered in, and then everybody in the NBA will tell you long-term for all the players was a far better deal. Now, it limits to what the super superstars can make, but still, their limit of what they can make is such generational wealth. What are we talking about? So we have a lot to get into. Um, you know, free agency. How's it going to work? And we saw Rodon now signing with the 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 San Francisco Giants. Get yours and get yours now. That's the smart play. Now we thought there was going to be deals flying off the shelf. Last night, there hasn't been. Uh, but I if I'm a free agent, I want to get mine. I want to get mine now. This isn't like what we saw a few years ago where Harper can wait out the market. You don't have a market to wait out. You got games starting on the 17th and 18th of March. You got opening day is April 7th. How long can you wait? You kind of want to get your money. I would say I'd want to get my money now. So, you know, you look at guys... You know, you look like a, a probably the most primetime guy out on the market, Carlos Correa, a guy I, I know he hasn't been Cal Ripken when it comes to games played, but you think of what Carlos Correa has done in his career as a playoff performer? As he's tapping that watch, it's playoff time, it's my time. I mean, Carlos Correa is a primetime player, and at that age you want to sign a free agent and to sign a guy to be a franchise player. You know, so many people talk about Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman's 32 years old. Yeah, he's not getting any younger. And another
2: guy everyone really keeps talking about is Trevor Story. Story has elbow problems. And, you know, does he need Tommy John surgery? Because he's been having he, – that was a lingering injury for him last year. No, Correa has the back injury. We know about that. And, you know, he's, his uh, massages and all that stuff have been well documented with the Astros. But – uh, he's probably the best player available on the market, and a lot of people are predicting they think he's going to end up with the Cubs. Now all of a sudden the Cubs, who won the cut payroll last year because they were going to rebuild, now they're going to sign Marcus Stroman and they're going to sign Correa. I, I don't see that one happening, but that's who a lot of people think is going to end up with is the Cubs. And If he goes there great, I still think Detroit would be is the best fit for him, but I don't think he's going there now after everything I've read and listened to. Uh, the Yankees are still in play for him. The Astros maybe he takes a short deal with the Astros and then stays healthy and then he can rebuild his value even more after he stays healthy. It'll be, he's the most interesting guy because Freeman is in that in that thirty thirty two year range and you know um, Carlos Rodon if he opts out after one year he'll be thirty next year so it'll be interesting to see what happens with him as well.
4: So see the age for Correa. yeah Correa's is twenty seven he doesn't turn twenty eight till September I mean you, you're this is when you buck the age regression model. Something that we will talk about uh, that's happening. And Do we have Maury right now? Maury Brown from Forbes is going to join us in moments as they're talking about free agency and where, of course, they got Yankees and Red Sox, maybe back with the Astros. Maury, Chris Towns with the Oakland A's. How are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Well, we're back in business. You know, being a show that actually works for a Major League Baseball team, uh, they made sure that, uh, you know, you guys just go play a little golf and hang out, and uh, you'll be back once the lockout's over, just so we didn't say anything or have anybody on who said something that uh, baseball wouldn't be happy with. So we're back in business and, and uh, feel real good about it. Now that uh, this has passed us, just uh, how do you feel about us getting ready and getting started for 2022?
3: Well, I mean, it's going to be exciting, obviously. I mean, I'm starting to see the schedules now. Um, We've got revised, you know, Cactus and Grapefruit League schedules. They're going to push it out a little bit. Um, But, you know, we're going to get 162 in, albeit we're going to need to have some um, double headers thrown in there. But um, really, I mean, getting the due yesterday was probably the last, best, only time that that could happen without something really dramatic in losing regular season games and we avoided that. So, you know, it's a, it's a good day for baseball.
4: You know, a, a lot of the money that's talked about, you know, we got into it today to start the show about how, you know, the fans, you know, let, let's let play baseball. The money is the money for the players, the owners. We, we just want to see the game in between the lines. And a couple of things that I pointed out that I, I was pretty happy about with the CBA and where this is going to go uh, in the next few years is modernizing the sport, a playoff system that gets to be more like what we see in the NFL and the NBA and the NHL. So we're going to have more playoffs and really modernizing the sport from a standpoint of a schedule where starting next year, everybody's going to see everybody. It's not going to be your traditional, like when we grew up, that National League only plays National League and American League only plays American League, and then interleague play where you get to see teams every couple few years. Just modernizing the sport going forward that kind of leads you into, will we see expansion, maybe more of a salary cap? What were your biggest takeaways of the CBA?
3: Well, I mean, clearly the the way that the structures around the economics were, I mean, that was kind of the core thing.
4: international draft, you know, is going to be
3: an open question, and that's, you know, something that the players and the league worked out. The To the topics that you bring up, it's interesting you mentioned expansion because it all sets that up. I mean, the, you know, some will say that it's homogenized and it will start to look more like the NFL, but um, you could see that. Once we got to a universal DH, once you get to expansion – I think that you will see realignment. And again, I mean, all of those things that will lessen travel for clubs if they do regional realignment. Um, and it will be, I think, a, a, a watershed moment for the league. So, yeah, I mean, it kind of sets that up. The next labor deal I think sets the precipice for that conversation to happen. But overall, you know, the thing that was lost in this, right, it was all about economics, but the, the core thing was something really needed to substantively happen to the game. Thought it was interesting, of course, that commissioner Manfred will now have a shorter window to implement. Yeah. Um, that there's going to be a, a, you know, a competition committee to look about how those changes are going to be implemented. So I think that that's good. You know, not all changes are good, but some of them, especially I would say the pitch clock, I think is going to be a very good thing for the game. I really do for fans that have never seen it or been around it. It really does change the pace of the game.
4: There's no doubt. and Guys from the minor leagues tell you that they have no problem with it. You know, guys who come up to Oakland here and you talk to them about it and they've got no problem with it. And the future of baseball, these guys are used to it. So uh, it's it's not going to be an issue. It's just the people who have never dealt with it. Well, you know, they'll get used to it. They're human beings that will adapt. You know, I think about free agency and I think about the year for Harper and Machado, how they just waited and waited and waited. And in the end, with the Phillies and the Padres – Both those guys got theirs, but with spring training games starting on the 17th and 18th, and we got opening day on the 7th for the A's, we're going to start in Philly on the 8th. uh, Top free agents, you really don't have time for that waiting game, so if you were a top guy, how would you approach free agency right now because you're on the clock?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, in in hearing from a couple of GMs right now, everybody's fielding calls. I mean, I'm sure that it's been exceptionally active. We're starting to see some movement around it right now. Look, the plums are free. You so you're Carlos Correas, you know Trevor Story, Chris Bryant. You know, we just saw Rendon get picked up by the Giants. So you know, it it those things are going to start to happen. And you know, a lot of the legwork I think was done by general managers. Um, I heard today from a jerry depoto of the mariners that of course it was kind of just about you know reestablishing communications and seeing how it is but they will have to be quicker other teams are going to jump on it and that makes you know that that can make for um you know not being able to really wait the market out and have the market get leveraged you know scott boris had been known to do that where we'd have that drag out over time to do that sort of thing and now we're not going to be able to see that but um, again, the, the guys that I, I, I would think about aren't the plums. There's going to be a lot of guys sitting on the sidelines when this thing gets going. And I do wonder whether you're going to see them, you know, of course getting signed maybe late into spring training, and then we'll have to see how things go for those guys.
4: You know, as you were talking, I just wrote down reestablish the market, and it makes me think what you just said. So obviously executives, teams, Agents and executives weren't supposed to be talking during this time. So let's say in the A's, let's face it, we're one of the teams. There's a lot of rumors out there. So if you were having discussions with teams, lockout hits, 99 days go by, that gives you a lot of time to go, am I really interested in that deal? Did I really like that deal? Or maybe would I like the deal to look this way? And now you're calling people again. Boy, that's really interesting how you just brought that up because there's a lot there was there was a lot of time for a lot of these front office people's owners, players, agents to rethink their careers, their lives, and trades and signings.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, if you had an idea of a package for, let's say, Olsen, right, and you were going to go ahead and try and figure out what kind of prospects you could deal, you may rethink that. You really could. You could, you know, general managers never stop thinking anyway. So now you've been sitting for 99 days mulling this over. So again, I, I do think that it will change some things. You know, well, some, some will stick the course. That's largely, you know, some clubs are like, don't, you know, listen to the noise, stick to the plan, don't deviate. But some will. And those that are in go time, I think right now will be the ones that are going to be close in, to watch. So, yeah, I think it'll be there. It, it's interesting. It's something that we've never seen before. So everybody's trying to figure out how to react and, you know, some will pull the trigger really fast and others will maybe try and wait it out. But there's a whole lot of anxiety involved in all that. You know, if your phone's ringing off the hook and you're going, your agent is telling you to wait, you know, it, it does become difficult. You've already been a player sitting for 99 days or general manager sitting for 99 days and now you're going to try and wait even longer. I think that's that's tough for some people mentally.
4: Yeah, that's a great point. And you know, and I know fans, they just care about the game. They just want the games going again, but I think about the CBA and on the ownership side, there's going to be some owners who love this new deal. There's going to be some owners that hate it. We clearly saw on the player side, the executive committee the eight guys all voted against it then you went back to the player reps and the majority of them voted for it so there there on both sides you got people who like the deal who don't like the deal when you think about the deal for the teams though do you think this deal changed? changes many teams the way they were planning on going anyway? Like the new deal happens, they go, ah, maybe we can do more. Or other teams go, oh, we're going to do less. How much do you think this deal changes the teams and the way they want to go about their business in 2022?
3: Well, it's going to absolutely happen. And Rob Manfred said it yesterday. It was his closing remarks was he says, "We, we will see changes in the market system right away with the clubs. And I do think at the top, I think that you could see, you know, there was increases in the in the CBT thresholds. So you're going to see that. I think at the bottom, there are going to be some teams that are going to go, oh, wow, now I'm going to pay into a pool. And this other things and they may pull back. The middle is going to be where I think it's going to be, you know, interesting to watch and see how that all plays out. The draft is entirely different now. And with the addition, of course, of two teams now, you really are going to have, have some – Clubs go, you know what, maybe we should compete. There are now mechanisms in place to incentivize. So, look, there will be teams at the bottom that I don't think will change course that way. They may actually, you know, tighten things down even further. There will be some teams at the top that may see an opportunity to expand spending. But the ones in the middle, I think, will be the ones to watch.
4: Let's end on this. Now that we got dates, we got schedules, we're going to have players down in Arizona and Florida, We're going to have spring training. Uh, We're we're still waiting to hear if we're going to go. We were planning on going. I don't know if we're going to go now. But what's the number one thing for you as a baseball fan, the reason you got into this business in the first place, what's the number one thing that excites you for 2022 now? Well,
3: given where we were at and that Rob Manford had said that he was going to cancel games up to April 14th, it's going to be Jackie Robinson Day because that's the day after. And it's the 75th anniversary of him being called up. So I think that that will have some special relevance for me as a fan to see that early in the season. And I'm excited to see full ballparks for the first time. You know, I don't need to tell you in the Bay Area and all up and down the West Coast, ballparks were not open to full capacity when the season started last year. So this is the first full season we'll be able to see that. So I'm looking forward to that.
4: How about this? Today I got a haircut and it was the first time that I've been, (laughs) it's the first time I was able to get a haircut in two years where I didn't have to wear a mask.
3: That is something. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm involved in playing music and going out and being able to play where not everybody's masked up is kind of a nice thing. So yeah, you know, we'll see how it goes.
4: Hey, we always appreciate your time here on A's Cast Live. You're one of the best follows on Twitter in the business, and uh, it's great to have baseball back, and let's talk soon, and uh, can't wait for 2022 to really get going.
3: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it.
4: Thanks so much for having me, Chris. Take care. Yeah, he's super. Maury Brown of Forbes. Yeah, I got a haircut today and didn't have to wear a mask. How about that?
2: Well, I think I'm not getting a haircut until – the agreement was I collectively bargained this into the wedding uh, agreement. Um, I was negotiating before th- this negotiation happened until I found out that a, a child is on the way no haircut will happen so prepare to see long-haired Cody for the first time since I was 16 years old. Um, that'll up the timeline real quickly We'll get to we'll get back to the negotiating table by the end of the year so but I'm glad to see you got a haircut well, I remember when you I remember when your hair got really long during when COVID first hit and we were doing shows separately and your hair just kept getting longer and land longer, it was a completely different side of you that I've never seen before.
4: And then finally I was forced to cut it. My wife made me – it was <laughs> – oh, pictures. We were going down to uh, – where were we going? We were going down to Santa Barbara to check out UC Santa Barbara for the kids. And she's like, we're going to take pictures with the family, and who knows, this could be our Christmas picture. So she made me cut that. I want it. I wish it was still growing to this day. You know how long it would have been? I would be past my shoulders by now. You'd have old A.J. Puck hair, essentially. But, you know, put things in perspective with everything that's going on in the world right now, which, you know, our hearts and prayers go out to the people of Ukraine, and to watch that on, on a daily basis has been really – it's, you know, you know, when you talk about modernized – I mean, a modern war like we have never seen before, that we're seeing video, we're seeing pictures of what war looks like, like we've never seen before. You know, we've seen documentaries of World War One, World War II, uh, Vietnam, Korea, uh, what happened in the Middle East, two different times being over there, but, you know... Cities, massive cities. And you think about the Bay Area, and you think about the city that we live in, San Jose, which is the largest city in the Bay Area, where cities that have 2, 3 million people in it being bombed every single – I mean, it's just – and then what Maury's talked about, you know, having a full ballpark or the possibility of a full ballpark. Because, you know, even last season we started at a limited capacity. That's why I say that the money, that who's getting what, how they're getting it, who cares? You, you and I are not seeing it, so whatever. You know, unfortunately, you may see it in ticket prices or whatever, but um, you know, there's a lot to be thankful for. And the fact that we're going to be able to go to places and not have to have vac- vaccine cards. I mean, the last sporting event I went to, took the kids up to see uh, Cal Berkeley, and to see the campus, and they wanted to go see the cheerleaders. They had no interest in actually watching the basketball game, which I don't blame them because Cal and Utah both stink. And what happened to Utah? Utah, Utah used to be a top 20. They were perennial, especially when Rick Majerus was there. and Not yeah, any longer. Yeah, even when Andrew Bogut was there, when he was coming out. Him and Alex Smith were the number
2: one picks in each sport back in the early, you know, in the mid-2000s. But the real Cal... The real Cal is going to uh, – Can you pause? Uh, yeah. Pause this. The, the real Cal, my school, both men and women's basketball are in the NCAA
4: tournament. So,
2: big big weekend for me coming up.
4: Yeah, nobody cares. Uh, yeah, but so we went up to uh, Cal, and that was the last – and they wanted vaccine card. Luckily, I had it on my phone. I didn't even think about it. I'm like, you guys are still doing that? I mean, seriously. I mean, I couldn't believe it. I could believe what I was, you know, watching a little bit of the news because actually the news is in so many different ways been the only thing going on um, other than NBA and hockey, where they were debating things in, in, our, in our United States Capitol. But then if they walked out of the Capitol, if you've ever been to D.C., they would have to, as either congressmen and women or senators, would have to show a vaccine card and their I.D. just to get into a restaurant. But they were debating on Capitol Hill stuff that was against that. <laughs> but if they walked outside to go to a restaurant, they would have to show I.D. Like they're saying, you know, they're debating on what you show I.D. for and that kind of stuff, not to get it political, but it was like, Wait a minute, you're talking about no ID, but if you go outside to have a hamburger, you gotta. A, not only do you have to have an ID, you have to have a vaccine card. Luckily, we're not going to be dealing with that anymore, hopefully forever. Uh, this just came up on MLB Network, and good to see. And it's the playoffs. Oh, you got a bad picture of it. Here, read, read it. You got it on it. You took a picture of it. Well, I took
2: a picture of how it would have looked if it was last year. But I can. the nice thing about having YouTube TV is I can rewind. Somewhere. Yeah, I want
4: to get a good picture of that because this is – when we talked about the modernizing of our sport. And it's hard to read. I have it
2: on our playbook here, but it's hard to read because I, I put so much stuff on here. Um, yeah, now you know
4: how I feel. All right. Six postseason teams in each league. Division winners with the two best records in each league receive a first-round bye. What other sport does that? That'd be uh, football. Have Have their playoffs worked out? Uh, yeah, they seem to do pretty well last year and well, every year. Joel Sherman, not friend of the program, really like the last person in baseball, not friend of the program, Yeah, uh, was talking about today earlier today on MLB Network about how, he goes. He goes. Man, NFL is so smart. They could sell. They could sell sand in a desert. That's how smart they are. Look what they did. It's Super Wild Card Week. They sell everything. Sell it, baby. Sell it like the playoffs are the biggest thing ever. Sell it like this is the greatest thing ever. This is what you do. Sell your postseason. You, you, you award the two best teams. You give them a bye. The wild card rounds, the best of three, will be the third seed against the sixth seed, the fourth seed against the fifth seed. Pretty standard, right, in modern-day sports, right? And then the division series, best of five, the number one seed will play the winner between four and five, and the number two seed will play the winner between three and six. All modernized thought process and thinking and and that's how you do it this is how you do it not the one and done wild card game not this is how you sell the playoffs and then once your contracts come up and maybe they're even doing it right now I don't know but this provides more coverage more money more everything for everybody welcome to 2020 in the regular world I mean baseball had been so archaic when it's th- with its thinking and so slow to everything they're finally now becoming like the other sports and as we have said multiple times every single time a sport has has expanded its championship playoff formats no matter what the sport it's never hurt it we've never seen a sport we've never seen things go down
2: yeah so I was reading something. Yeah, that was a great answer. I know I was reading something about how they about the the new streaming thing and how they can schedule games earlier in the day. According to the CBA, sorry, I know, but the CBA currently gives MLB the ability to schedule eight games a season between ten thirty a.m. and noon. The league tried east to
4: east coast or west coast.
2: I think it's I think it's east coast because this is part 830? of the uh, 10, 10.30 and noon ten thirty a.m. And okay, noon. so that starts seven thirty yeah. our time. Yeah, well, seven thirty a.m.
4: Yeah, 7.30 yeah, our time. 10.30 a.m. Yeah. is 7.30 yeah. our time.
2: But the whole tweet from Jared Diamond from the Wall Street Journal started with MLB is finalizing its streaming deal with Peacock to show 18 exclusive games, six of which will start at 11.30 a.m., with the other 12 expected to start around noon. Love it. Love it. I mean, you got between that deal and Apple, not to go far from the, play, the postseason talk, $115 million annually is what I've read is what baseball could bring in.
4: That's where I laugh when people are like, oh, the players won because they got extra money. Yeah, look at the money that the owner – the owners, by just getting the players – just sign this. All right, you want some more money here? You want some more money there? Fine. You want to walk away? You guys feel you did get great. You don't have to listen to the players, literally. And I know they're all talking about singing Kumbaya right now. But the reality is for the owners. And I don't mean to be hard-nosed, but here's the reality. We have to deal with you for five years, and we can go cut these deals with Apple and Peacock and make hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Their deals that they're cutting are far greater than the CBT. The majority of the teams in baseball will never even get close to this luxury tax. They'll never even get close. Like the A's, wake me when you're done. Great. You want to have a tooth? You You know what? You can have your CBT be... $800 Eight hundred billion dollars. We're never getting to it. We're not even going to get two hundred billion. I mean, you could like list all the teams in baseball who had to be napping during the CBT talk. What do they care? Yeah, you 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 you, you want to go through every team? How many teams? You the first year is two hundred thirty million. Does that start next year?
2: It's uh, I think it's was it two thirty two. Uh, let me pull up the specifics of it it would be 230 in 2022 rising to 233 okay. yeah
4: how many teams do you think will even hit that uh let's see dodgers one mets two yankees i they're under it the dave they Hal Steinbrenner has talked a lot about not being like his father and staying under that
2: i can't remember uh, we we were watching MLB network earlier and i don't think i got a picture of the the payrolls yeah i didn't get a picture of it but they had the payrolls uh, let's see Mets, Dodgers, um, oh, Pod, uh, Podgers Padres. No, two thirty. They were. I think their payroll. estimated payroll for this year was somewhere of well over two hundred million, like two fifteen something like that. Are they going to go over two thirty and be penalized? I don't know if they go over. But they might come close to the two thirty. No, no, you got to go over. Let me see if uh, let me that's see what.
4: If, if you don't go over, then you don't get taxed.
2: I'll see if MLB Network put it out on Twitter. Or I mean, I guess I could. I guess I could
4: rewind on app on YouTube TV. That's so we, the whole point. It's like, if you don't go over, you don't get taxed, and you don't get the penalties of going over and over. You know, the X amount of years you go over, you get taxed, and you lose draft picks and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, they don't have it on here. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, see if I can find it. So that's the whole point. It's like, how many teams are even going to go over this? I mean, I can tell you the majority of baseball was just taking a nap when they were debating all of this. And if the agents want to drive it up, that's fine. But in the end, once again, you give the players a little extra on the back end, baseball is gonna make an extreme amount of money with all with being a content filler. And I know Harold Reynolds was and I you know, you know I love me some Harold Reynolds, friend of the program. And Harold was, you know, on today talking about oh, you gotta do this with the players and that with the players, and and I, for the most part I agree. But the reality is baseball going forward, its main thing that it provides is content. So it doesn't matter who the stars are. And I don't know if there's a sport anymore where it does matter. Sports has changed so dramatically over the years that the actual individual players don't seem to matter the way they used to. The NBA is a great example. Bird and Magic save the NBA. The NBA was down in attendance, it was down in ratings, and their NBA finals and their playoffs were all shown on tape delay after the news. That's how archaic the NBA was in the early eighties. Then came Bird and Magic, and that put the NBA back onto the center stage to where they weren't tape delayed anymore. So and then from Bird and Magic became Jordan. And they passed it to Jordan, and Jordan took it to a new level where you have cable television, ESPN, the Internet all explode at the same time around Michael Jordan. And since then, the NBA, Adam Silver, who is now the commissioner of the NBA, my old partner is Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher at the time was running ESPN the magazine. Adam Silver was the deputy commissioner for David Stern. Rick went back to to New York to do an interview an exclusive with Adam Silver. As Adam Silver knew everybody knew Adam Silver was the next guy in line to be the commish. Adam Silver, they got into the business of the NBA. So this is this is right after Jordan. Adam Silver told Rick and you can find the article out there that attendance wasn't a high priority anymore for the nba it was it was it was jaw dropping that the business of the nba had gotten to be and i'm using the nba and not baseball the business of the nba had become global and that's where all the money was coming from and that attendance which once was the lifeblood of your sport was no longer the lifeblood of the sport Attendance, as it is today, is a luxury. The biggest money you get is from all the deals you have domestically and internationally. The amount of money that the NBA makes from China is off the charts. So if you grew up in a certain era, like I did, you thought attendance was the end-all, be-all. It's not. In the NFL... Attendance is great because that's the one thing you don't have to share with the other owners. Really, the luxury boxes is the big deal for the NFL owners. But that's not where the NFL makes their money. You only have 10 games. You make your money internationally and domestically off of your corporate and TV and all your deals. That's where the big money is. Like Tom Brady's retiring. Guess what? The NFL is going to move on. By the way, Michael Jordan retired. Did the NBA move on and continue to grow? You had that team, the San Antonio Spurs. The San Antonio Spurs were literally the most boring, great team of all time. And nobody cared. But the sport kept growing. And you might say, Chris, they got LeBron James. Doesn't matter. It could be Cody or LeBron James. The sport's going to grow globally. Whether it's Steph or me, the sport's going to grow. These sports have gotten so big and their fingers, their fingerprints are all over the globe with how to financially make money and get stronger that the star players aren't what they used to be. Players come and go. I mean, how many of these guys that were a part of this labor negotiation won't even be here in five years the next time this new deal is up? They won't even be here. They won't even be part of it. Like Scherzer's the big one I always think of. Scherzer won't be here in five years. Yeah. He
2: has a three year hundred and forty million dollar, hundred and thirty million dollar. He may
4: I mean who knows? I mean, and by the way, if if I'm a middle if I'm a middle class player or or I would I don't want to say lower class, but if you're if you're a middle of the road getting paid guy, which is the majority of the league, or a lower getting paid guy you want Max Scherzer really being the guy there for you? Garrett Cole's on the committee, too. <laughs> yeah. So all the guys with hundreds of millions of dollars are negotiating for you? I think we did it yesterday. You asked they de- You know what? Those guys can miss the April paycheck. They can miss the May paycheck. They can miss the paycheck for the rest of the year. I don't want the guy, because let's face it, 62% of the league makes the minimum. So 62% of the league just got a pay raise, and Max Scherzer was turning that down. Garrett Cole was turning that down. By the way, all Scott, majority of these guys that were voting no, who are they represented by? Boris. So Scott Boris is the boogeyman behind the scenes. That, that's just the reality. He's the guy trying to call the shots from behind the scenes. Scott Boris did not want this deal. So when you think of the the owners or just the greedy billionaires, really look at the players and who is negotiating. That's what I would do. Do we have Ken Korak? Ken, are you there? I am here. Ah, there's your beautiful voice. We have missed you. Hey, what's up, buddy? I've missed you too. We're uh, we're just thrilled to be back on the air and get it. get get the machine rolling again.
1: Yeah, the band is back together. So let's get going, man.
4: Yeah, you know, it was uh I think it was smart for all of us to sit back and not do anything and wait it out but now that uh now that uh, it's over and now that the deal's done, I think for all of us, it's you know we'll talk about the business parts of it the next couple of days, but the most important thing for us and for A's fans, and that's who we're here for, is to entertain them, and, and it's, uh, it's, it's about getting ready for that wonderful sport in between the lines and not worrying about all the business outside the lines. Yeah,
1: we can put that past us, and I think you're right, Chris, in the main thing. You mentioned our fans, and I, I feel great for the fans. of baseball uh, the season will be delayed a little bit, but it, I guess it could have been worse. Uh, still playing 162 games, and you know, let's face it, Chris, the last couple of years have not been easy with COVID, and now the war in Ukraine. And you know, I think the, the chance to bring some joy to people and baseball—I know this is maybe I'm romanticizing a little bit—has always been able to to provide that, Chris. And then the people who uh, you know, look maybe for a time there where uh, the folks in Arizona and Florida might miss out on spring training. It's not going to be a full spring, but the A's are playing 18 games down there. So it's a, it's a great chance for the people in those areas to see some baseball and the people who work at the ballparks and hotels and, you know, so forth. So uh, I, I'm feeling pretty good about what transpired yesterday.
4: You know, we came on briefly yesterday just to say hello and we're back and we did that whole song and dance and I was talking about a text thread I was on with my buddies about how some of them were, you know, mad that the season was going to start late and I had to remind everybody going, you do realize this is incredibly early to start and even though I don't like starting late, I'm not bummed about starting late because I know how bad the weather is around the country. Like even April 8th, where you guys are going to be in Philadelphia, you have no idea whether it's going to be snowing, raining, or sunny out. And I was trying to think back when I was a kid, and I want to go back to when you were a kid, Ken. When was, like, the starting time for baseball when you were a kid?
1: It was around April 10th. Yeah. That's the day that really rings true to me when you talk about opening day, Chris. It was not March 30th or 31st or even April 1st, so... April tenth is is you know what comes to mind, and that that date is just kind of etched in my in my memory as you know that one day we used to focus on.
4: Yeah, it, it's uh, and it's going to be for us April eighth, so so it's going to be during yeah. that time. So How about a I, tough
1: road trip. How about a tough way for Mark Kaste to begin his eighth <laughs> tenure? You got the Phillies, the Rays, and the Blue Jays on the road. Uh, you know that's being thrown right into the fire for sure. But you also mentioned the weather it may be a little iffy in philly but then after that the A's have two series in domes so you know they're going to play all the games once they get down to st petersburg
4: so mark kotze is going to join us today at 3:30 and when you talk about a perfect fit we're all going to miss bob melvin but if there was somebody who could come right in and fill bob melvin's shoes and know the vibe of the organization not only know the players, but have the trust of the players, the trust of the front office, and probably more than ever, Ken, the fact that you're going to have a shorter spring training and you got to be ready to go quick. If you had brought somebody in from the outside who needed to learn and develop relationships and earn trust and all that, you wouldn't have enough time. How key is it now that you have a guy like Mm -hmm. Mark Kotze when you have very little time to get ready to compete?
1: Yeah, especially because he really knows the organization. I think that's what you're getting at. And he's a pro. He's been around a long time. So even though it's his first year as a manager, um, he's, he has a wealth of, uh, of knowledge and experience in, in baseball. And I remember when Mark first joined the A's, and we were thrilled to have him, number one, because I always admired him as a player. But number two, he just personified class, Chris. And I know you feel the same way from your interactions with him. So, uh, And they have a veteran coaching staff. And I was just looking, as I just looked at the email that the A sent out um, regarding the non-roster players, I think they're going to lean heavily on them uh, for the first few days of spring training. 23 non-roster players. So if you didn't have a lot of knowledge of the organization, I think that might make it uh, even harder.
4: Well, there's going to be some changes in baseball. And I know everybody doesn't love change. I know you don't love change in baseball. We've talked about that, but... You Are know, you saying
1: I'm an old guy? Come on. Well,
4: one of the things about modernizing the game is changing the game and with playoffs and expansion and a lot of these different things and you know the fact that starting next year everybody's going to play each other every single year. Just when you kind of look at I I don't want to get into the money with you cuz it doesn't matter for you and me. That's just about the players and the owners, but when you look at the CBA and the future of baseball in the next 5 years, and I know you've been reading up on it. What do you think?
1: Well, I I think that initially I was pretty resistant. It's taken some time, Chris, for me to come around on some of the potential changes. Uh, But I'm coming around on the, you know, legislating shifting. Um, I'm really coming around on the pitch clock idea. So I I think some of those things will really benefit the game. And we'll see how, you know, I I actually think it it was smart that they put off the final decision, let's say on the international draft because I think there's more investigation uh, that needs to happen before both sides feel really good about going forward with that. I think they will at some point. So uh, I think there, there will be uh, many things that I'll be on board with from that standpoint.
4: Yeah. And, and, you know, a sport that you and I love so much and we watch a lot and it's going on right now as we speak, the Players' Championship. Uh, TPC Sawgrass at the stadium course. It's one of the great events every single year on the PGA Tour. But one of the things that the PGA Tour had to do was it had to recognize its international players. And so many of the international players were coming now to play on the PGA tour on a full time basis. And their voices needed to be heard and they have been heard. And I think for the first time here, Ken, international players are weighing in on what's mm-hmm. best for the international players? What's happening with these kids in the Dominican and Puerto Rico and Cuba and every- I don't don't you think that's really good for our yeah. It is we're now really listening to the international players,
1: and there those international players have made such an incredible mark upon the game. So, and like I said, I think it's important that they're going to wait, take their time, and that those players will have their input when it comes to the draft. And the other thing, just back to your your question question before last on some of the things that'll be implemented, I'm I'm glad that they didn't go to a 14 team postseason. Uh, I think 12 was enough. I just don't, you know, Chris. Uh, Call me an anachronism, but if you're going to play 162 games and eliminate basically half the teams, I just think it waters down the regular season. So I'm okay with 12. I'm glad they didn't go to 14.
4: When you think about 99 days off, and Maury Brown from Forbes joined us, and we talked to him about this, you know, the business of baseball. And you had these teams that were talking to each other, uh, they were talking to agents they're looking at players that are free agents they're they're thinking about potential trades and then all of a sudden you sit for 99 days then you have a CBA and as a front office now you have new rules right you have new rules right. you have new ways to do business for the A's the A's are now the A's are going to be one of four teams that are now going to be getting extra money from major league baseball uh, how much do you think just whether it's the A's or no matter what market you're in and how you view yourself, do you think maybe the way you want to do business has changed because the business has changed?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to take a more thorough examination of that. I don't think that there's going to be a huge impact if you look at the next two weeks, Chris, but it's going to be incredible. It's going to be like our own version of March Madness to see who signs and trades, and it's going to be, I mean, the agents in the front offices, you know the agents, front office right now is working overtime because there are just so many things you have to do, uh, Chris. It's going to be a wild uh, next couple of weeks for sure.
4: You know, the guys that I'm really rooting for and I do every single year are the guys that are the true grinders out there that when they go to spring training, they're, they're not playing to get in shape. They're not working on their tan. They're not playing golf. They're they're trying to get a job, and I respect those guys. And they go from organization to organization, camp to camp. And when you're somebody, let's say you're a guy trying to get a job with the A's, you're just not auditioning for the A's. You're auditioning for 29 other teams too. And they'd be the one guys that I worry about not having a full spring, kind of like the you know. And they got hurt big time in the COVID year in the 60 game uh, season is that the guys that are, you know, the lower part of your 26 man roster, but they're very, they're very versatile. They're big for your versatility. I'm really pulling for those guys. Cause when you say, Ken, this really hurts them.
1: No doubt. And maybe some of the players, some of the veterans on the margins might have to take minor league deals. Or we'll have a difficult time finding, uh, deals because things are so compressed now. So I think you make a, a really good point, although I'll go back to what I said at the beginning of the interview, and that is that I think a lot of these young guys and non-roster invitees, as, as I said, the A's have 23 going to camp. They might be getting a pretty close look early in the spring, uh, and that, that'll benefit them. And I'm really, it's, I think, for me, having done this all these years, one of the most enjoyable aspects of it and the most intriguing is just the chance to see – some of these young guys, because then once they once they go back down, we're not going to see them likely for five months unless they get called up. So I can't wait to see some of the, the young players in the A's organization. I'm always, you know, the, the drama that plays out with a veteran player coming into camp and looking for one final shot. Or maybe a guy like Eric Thames, who's back in, in a big league campus here in a South Bay product, as you know, with a chance maybe to make the club. The other thing on a, on a more personal level, Chris, is that it's been really hard to prepare for this season. So we're going to have to undergo events and, and myself and the rest of the broadcast. It's kind of a, a crash chorus over the next week or two, because we didn't really know the, the full makeup of the clubs. I don't think that we, you know, two weeks ago, it would have been really hard to, to give you a, to give a full rundown on the A's team and all, most of the other teams because uh, you're going to see some changes in the next couple of weeks and, and, obviously some additions as
4: well. Well, you talk about how I'm a dinosaur. I'm still the guy that likes to go by – Athlon and Streets and Smith and the Preview magazines. I I still get every single week. It used to be Baseball Weekly, but it's now Sports Weekly. I've subscribed to this for over 30 years, and each week they send you all the different sports, but they start going through the baseball. And so I have every team's baseball preview. I have what kind of looks like a 40-man roster and a depth chart, and it tells you all about what to look at, but it's so incomplete that I mean, we're going to basically be updating every roster and everything probably through the first, I don't know, three, six games of the season.
1: If you're a baseball junkie, Chris, as we are, and you love to go to the, like the back page of the sports section and see the transaction in the agate type, the next two or three weeks are going to be for you. <laughs> it's going to be a feast for those people. So, yeah, you're right. It's going to be a really interesting stretch. So we'll see how it plays out, but. Uh, I'm really you know I'm going down on tuesday so i I can't wait to get down there
4: i think about the fans and no fans in 2020 we had limited fans at the start well, at, yeah 2021 we had limited fans to start last season mm-hmm. and just just the fact that we're looking at getting back into the stadium getting back to normal what does that mean for you and what do you think it means not only for you but to the fans you're going to be broadcasting well, to
1: well for us we haven't been on the road since 2019 the only road games we've done we did a couple of games in san francisco last year and that's been it so that's that's a big thing for us obviously and then as i know you read and you've probably talked about already uh the media will be allowed back in the clubhouses which hasn't happened since 19 and let's just hope that we have put the virus behind us you know and that uh, fans, you know, feel more comfortable about going to the ballpark, Chris. And there's nothing better than watching baseball in the summertime. And the weather in Oakland is is usually very good during the baseball season. So it will mean a lot. And I would I would assume that when the A's open the season in Philly, uh, given the good weather, we're going to see packed houses out there. It's going to be great.
4: No doubt about it. Would, would, have you been told yet the first game you're going to call in spring?
1: Uh, I'm gonna do the first game. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, everything is very tentative. The, yeah. the, the um, I don't think the spring training schedule has officially been released yet, Chris. Yeah. But I think that everybody has, has settled on a week from today being the the first game for the teams in the Cactus League and the Grapefruit League. So I know that tentatively I'm gonna I'll be doing the spring opener, I think at least the first be doing the first three games. So. Um, So, yeah, I mean, we're going to get right back into it.
4: Well, we'll end on this. If there's one good thing that's going to come out of this for spring training, I remember when I was – down. the last time I was at spring training was 2019. God, I can't believe that. But I remember being down the left field line there in Mason. I got something to eat, and I'm standing on the rail down the left field line, and the A's is when the Dodgers came over, and we had that huge show, and the Dodgers were there, and all the national media was there, and everybody was talking about this could be the preview of the World Series. And I remember late in the game, it was the bases loaded for the Dodgers. They had two guys wearing the number ninety nine, and, and they had another guy wearing, and they had another guy wearing ninety eight. So we had a ninety eight and two ninety nines on the bases. I don't think you're going to have that this spring.
1: You mean you might have 198, where somebody <laughs> wearing 150, think Wayne, you might see that Wayne Gretzky. We need a lot of help in the spring. Wayne, we Gre- need help. Wayne, but you know what? It's
4: go ahead. Well, I was going to say you had Wayne Gretzky on second and third. Yeah, exactly. Tom Harmon, old number 98.
1: You know the old timers remember him. But yeah, you know it's it's just such a it's such a great time, and I you know I have so many memories of going down to spring training as a kid and. Even now when I make that drive through the desert and the, the desert blooms, it's all those, you know, all the symbolism and analogies about baseball season kind of coming alive and blooming like the saguaro cactus. So I buy into all that romantic stuff. Cause I remember back in the sixties uh, going to the angels used to train in Palm Springs and going to an angels giants game and getting there early with my dad and my mom and spring training And while the Giants were taking batting practice, and Willie McCovey hit a ball that rolled under the right field fence during BP, and I got that baseball that he hit. I mean, now we're going back decades, man. So it's it's much more informal in the spring, and I think that's one of the things that attracts a lot of fans to spring training.
4: Well, I can tell you for the fans, it doesn't matter what you're talking about. They just miss hearing your voice.
1: I miss them. Too, man. <laughs> I really do. I really, I've heard from a lot of people the last couple of days, so there's a lot of joy that, that we're going to get going, man. I can't wait. And it's so great that, you know, you and Cody are doing your thing again. And I know that what you guys are doing means a lot to our fans as well. I got to. And s- the other thing, Chris, I, I want to say this, and that is it's going to be really emotional to do the first spring training game in a week or so and not have Ray by our uh, side. Yeah. And we'll we'll spend a lot of time, I think, reminiscing about the great times we spent with Ray, and I, I'm sure our fans will will enjoy that because, like like Bill, you know, they both both Ray and Bill sadly passed away in October, and our fans didn't really have the chance to say goodbye to them, give them a proper goodbye. So we'll try to do that, uh, especially early in spring training.
4: Yeah, I'm not going to give any news. I can just tell you, we will be celebrating the man that i called the face of the franchise, a man that we love so much, uh, Ray Fosse, we will yeah. we'll be celebrating him throughout the year. There's no well, question about it.
1: You have you have hundreds of hours of interviews with Ray that, you know, I'm sure you're going to do something with that because our fans would love to hear his
4: voice. No doubt about it. And I have a sneaky suspicion uh, that first spring training game that you're going to be coming on with me before that spring training game, I got, I got I got I, I, I'm just gonna, I, <laughs> I think <hope> it's, so. <laughs> I think it's a good bet.
1: I'd love to do it, man. Right. You got my number. All right, buddy, we miss you. All right, pal. Thanks, Chris. The Thanks great, for everything, man.
4: The voice of summer, the voice of your athletics, the great Ken Corak. And it's just, you just want to hear him talk. He could be reading a book. He could be reading whatever. You just want to hear Ken Corak talk. I agree, and I was listening to him, and I was excited,
2: and then I saw this come down, and now I'm even more excited because Major League Baseball, apparently according to a report and a story from the AP, is finally listening to something I said, Well, how many years ago? Two or three years ago on this show. If the next All-Star game in Major League Baseball goes goes deep into the night, a slugger may get a chance to side it by going deep in a home run derby. The quote says... If the all-star game remains tied after nine innings, the game will be decided by a home run derby between the teams, subject to the party's agreement on the details and format. Finally, I feel vindicated that this is, this could possibly be happening. You mean we're not going to end in a tie? You mean, <laughs> we're not going to have a runner on second base to start the 10th ne- the inning? Well, some people are kind of mad that they took that away. I mean, I'm not, but sweet up the games, yes. but Yes, I'm mad. <laughs> true. I mean, well, we talked about this a little bit yesterday.
4: Yeah, and all you people get to go home, and you get to go to sleep, and I'm up at 3 a.m., and it's in the 15th, 16th <laughs> inning, and I got to get up the next day. Yeah, no, I – did the, once again, what other sport – I mean, hockey does it. I guess, I guess they all do it if it's in the postseason. That's fine. It's the postseason. The – no one has a regular season in modern-day sports that just keeps going and going and going and going and going in a team sport. Yeah,
2: look, look, look hockey has a shootout. The NBA, well, their overtime is only five minutes. And the NFL has a – Yeah, there's a clock. Yeah, and the NFL has, has a – Has a tie. Although apparently I've read rumors that the NFL might try to change their overtime policy again because
4: – Whatever, they, at least they're trying. The fact that you have a meaningless game – not meaningless, every game matters, but you have one game out of 162 that you're going to allow to go 16 innings that really screws up both teams for days, if not a week. It's just like, what are you doing? What are you doing? How's that smart? Well, that's the way it always is. Well, guess what? It's stupid. That's what hopefully baseball modernizing itself is getting away from archaic bad ideas. And playing games in the middle of the morning, the morning, where I can tell you, I know for a fact, no one's watching on television, no one's listening on the radio, and no one's in the ballpark. Who are you doing this for? I will fight anybody on this. And they have nothing. Well, that's the way it's always been. We've proven that's not a good argument. When you have literally a product that everybody has said, I'm done with, and you're only doing it for a couple hundred people, do you know how many people are listening and watching at 2 in the morning in the whatever inning? Nobody. Nobody. All the shows on MLB Network, ESPN, sportsnet that's all now taped. They're not even doing anything on it. You're the only people left to do, because that's what we did in the 60s. It's just, it's... Well, actually, way back when they didn't do it, you know why? Do you know why way back when this never happened? They didn't have lights. They didn't have lights. So, technically, this isn't how they always did it. Yeah, and plus Wrigley didn't get lights until, like, what, 1988 or something? <laughs> yeah, so when 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 was the first night game ever? Uh, ooh. Okay, when did every single team have lights? Because, what, Wrigley was the last one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll Google and see if I can find it. I don't know what that answer is, but that's when that started. So, technically, it hasn't always been done. 1988, I was right, when the Cubs got lights. So, wait a minute. These traditionalists (laughs) traditionalists talk about how, oh, my God, this is how it's always been. No, it hasn't. Every team didn't have lights until 1988. So, no, it hasn't always been that way. Really interested in talking to uh, Mark Kotze coming up here at 3.30, God, we're about to have Jesse Rogers. I saw Jesse this morning on television. He's uh, he's in Arizona. I saw him tweet about it yesterday.
2: Um, I, I'll get the exact uh, wording of it, but there's something going on for Pedro Gomez that they're doing tonight, and he's out. Oh, there really? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, he's out there. He's in Arizona for that, and you know now we're talking about Arizona. And Ken mentioned the uh, spring training schedule. Do you know if it was out? It is out. The A's. We will start next Friday against the L.A. Angels of Anaheim, of Disneyland next Friday. And then we play at Cincinnati, and then Cleveland on Sunday, the 20th. Our final spring training game will be April 5th on Tuesday against
4: the San Francisco Giants. So I was down at Disneyland, and uh, as we were taking the Uber over from the airport, the Big A was all lit up. I had no idea what they were doing. Because there was, I looked at, there was no event. Obviously, probably getting the stadium ready. You know, they are really harping down there about a new stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, so I'm married to an Angels fan. There's a lot of talk down there. So, put the Angels on the list of teams that want a new stadium. Who's left? It's just the A's, the Rays, the Angels? If you're looking at teams,
2: yeah, they would have to be. Because the Braves have had four in the last uh, three uh, three years, uh, essentially. Uh, Texas has got another one. Yeah, it would have to be them. I mean, Coors Field's like what ninety-five. Yeah, but,
4: but at, they're, I mean, they're, they're not looking for yeah. Stadium. Dodgers
2: aren't looking for a new one. Red Sox aren't. Cubs aren't. White Sox aren't. I so guess. the
4: list is down to three. Yeah.
2: Although the, I think baseball cares more about Oakland and Tampa than they do Anaheim right now, because this has been a long ongoing battle where LA's is just like, oh, we want We want to. Their ballpark is old. The big A is
4: old. I Oh my God. It's really old. <laughs> Yeah, that thing was that that they have the same problem that the Coliseum has. That even though that they, you know, people want redo the Coliseum. Well, the plumbing's still bad. the <laughs> the The guts of the stadium are still old and terrible. So they want new digs. You know, the Angels have been the Angels have been big swingers in free agency. The Angels have been spending a lot of money over the years. You know, what are the whether you believe the reports or not, the Angels were one of the teams that didn't like the idea of increasing the CBT. Yeah, they did not like that. There's four
2: of them. I think it was them. that the Detroit was one.
4: Or you should tell me this: Who are the teams that were for it?
2: I don't. I don't think they reported on that. They just said that. The, yeah,
4: tell me. Tell me who. Tell me who was like, yeah. Let's all spend way more money. I'm sure there are teams like, eh, just give it to them. I, to me, I'm telling you right now. We'll talk about with Jesse. That, eh, give it to them. But what team was, like, really rooting for it? Because I guarantee all, the, all of them, all, <laughs> like, I mean, you're the A's. You're like, 230 million. What do we care? We're not getting to that. We, we
2: saw the graphic on MLB Network. It was only two teams projected to have a payroll over 230 this year.
4: Projected. It was the... Mets and the Dodgers. That's two out of thirty. And by the way, they're not going to be. They're they're they are they they will not be thrilled with the is that have the penalties changed? By the way, I don't because you used to the x amount of years. The more you did it, the more you got taxed, and the more you lost draft picks. Are the penalties still the same? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Once again, Jesse will know. Great, he was, cover, he was all over this. Great thing about the A's is
2: we never have to worry about it. <laughs> 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 there, there's one before we get to Jesse. There's one other piece of news. This came out when we started the show. We just haven't got a chance to get to it. Oh, the World Series is gonna have a new voice. Apparently, Joe Buck's leaving. Oh, thank God! Who? Joe Buck is going. I'll take anybody. Joe Buck is expected to leave. This is from Andrew Marchand of the New York. Uh, I think he's with the. Is he with the Post? Uh, Marsh, Either way, Andrew Marchand of the Post is reporting that Joe Buck is expected to leave Fox Sports to join ESPN as the new voice of Monday Night Football. He's going to join Troy Aikman then. I, th- I think that's where Aikman is going. So wh- so him and Aikman are just going to Monday. That's a big get for ESPN because they're, let's face it, their son. Besides, I mean, Louis Riddick was good, but they're, they're right. uh, Monday Night Football broadcasters. That's so,
4: IE, here's what's happening. Joe Buck has been at the forefront of everything Fox for all these years. He's at an age, how old is he?
2: Uh, Buck's in his 50s, probably his early 50s.
4: So Joe Buck has made enough money. 52 years old for Joe Buck. He's made a lot of money. He's done everything. He's done World Series, Super Bowls, U.S. Open for Fox and golf. He's done everything. And now he's like, eh, I don't think I want to do this every single – I don't want to – because that was a lot. He's going from World Series
2: games or calling football games to going to World Series games and vice versa. It's a lot.
4: So he's been there, done that, and now you can take that cushy job, which is once a week, Monday Night Football, which will always be a big deal in this country. Because let's face it, wherever you go on Monday night, any bar, any restaurant, any place that has a television, Monday Night Football is on. So I could see a Joe Buck incredible ride. Talking Super Bowls, World Series, you name it. And now he just moves on and makes it easier. Jesse, Chris Townsend with the A's. How are you? I'm good. What's going on? I was up early this morning watching you on MLB Network. You did a fantastic job.
0: Well, I was up early, too, after a few long nights covering this labor stuff. So, hopefully, I made some sense.
4: Oh, no, no, you definitely did. And when you, when you do start talking about, okay, It's now done. The business of the deal is, you know, a lot of people are going to talk about it and hash it out. But for us people Mm -hmm. that truly care about what goes on inside the lines, it's now – Man, this is a true, you talk about a 40-yard dash to, to the start of the season. That's talking free agents. That's talking trades. You have executives haven't been able to talk to each other. You have agents technically haven't been able to talk to front office people for 99 days. I mean, this yep. is kind of a wild, wild west, and, uh, and you talked about it earlier today on MLB Network.
0: Yeah, and it's going to percolate a little bit and then really get going um, as as players arrive and stuff. I expect by the end of the weekend, uh, you know, sort of a a flurry. The faucet will open a little bit. But it doesn't mean everyone's going to sign by the time camp's officially open, you know, Sunday, Monday, whatever. uh, Because I think the star players are still going to shop around, take their time. If you're a star player, you might need spring training, but you're not going to take a lesser deal just to get in there early, right? So. Uh, I think that's where a, a calm agent is, is, like Scott Boris or one of the other big agents, going to say, "Look, just let's let's take our time on this." So if you get in there March 20th, that's okay. I mean, pitchers not as not as okay. We see Rodon sign today, and I think you're going to see the pitchers go first. But right. I, I think that um, you know some hitters might go early, but I think some hitters are going to you know take their time because there will be a squeeze. Some players that are not stars are going to be given you know, basically take it or leave it offers. And if you leave it, you're going to move on to the next team. We're in the past, the next player in the past, uh, a player might be able to shop around a little bit, but I don't think teams are going to wait around unless you're a star player.
4: You know, when I, when I look at the CBT, and uh, to make it easy for everybody, it's it's essentially the luxury tax. And I look at that number, and we were laughing earlier here, as the Oakland A's, I mean, we take a nap during these discussions because we're never hitting that. You know, the majority of baseball is never hitting that number. Um, we heard about certain teams who weren't thrilled about it. I'll ask you this. Do you think any team in baseball was was thrilled at the levels we're talking about now?
0: Well, the answer is yes, because, look, there are some rich teams that like to spend, and they would rather spend on a player than a tax. It's a it's a competitive balance issue for them. I mean, now that the CBT is at, what, 230? Yeah. first front, That's an extra player. That's an extra $18 million player, whatever the number is. You know, you can add to your roster. I, I don't think the teams like the A's, or the Pirates care that it goes up, I think the teams that like it, going up you don't mind it going up Are are the yankees the dodgers those sort of teams then there's the teams in the middle that have a problem with it those are the ones that can derail a vote if it goes too high meaning that that cbt number the st louis cardinals are a great example the team that tries to win every year right they don't rebuild they don't do any of that stuff but can they compete financially with the yankees and the dodgers probably not so when that cbt goes up they lose players to those rich teams, at least in theory they do. So they're the sort of team that would vote against it going up. Now, they also draw $3 million, get revenue sharing, so maybe they can spend like those big teams. But at least we can say definitively the Yankees and Dodgers probably make more money local revenue than the Cardinals, um, TV revenue, all that. So, you know, their they're, they're narrative holds true. I mean, the, the higher the CBT, the, the tougher it is for them to compete with the big teams big guys. And those are the sort of teams, the Brewers are another one, that would vote against the CBT.
4: Well, when you think about the business of baseball and where we are as the A's, we're being rumored as one of the teams that's open for business, uh, uh, being able to move some players. But you know what? We just don't know now. And what I want to ask you is, 99 days is a long time to sit back. And, of course, you were talking to other executives before the shutdown. You are talking to other teams, looking at potential trades, looking at potential signings. And then you sit for 99 days, and then you're handed a new set of rules under this CBA. How much do you think that has changed certain teams, how they felt before the lockout, and how they feel now with the new rules?
0: I think that um, this is probably why it's going to take a few days for, for, for everybody to get, you know, sort of settled with these new rules. Um, but I don't think it's going to change a lot. Uh, it, uh, the new CBA will force teams to change their behavior too much. Now, the lockout could have. Um, you know, I guess you're not really losing the revenue now that you're going to play 162. So remember we heard the story, you know, Jeter resigned because he thought they were going to do something, the Marlins, before the lockout. Now, post-lockout, that theory changed. Like some strategies may have changed, but I don't think it's going to change too much. Um, but like I said, those there, there are only a couple of teams that went past the, the, the luxury tax. There's still about four or five that were right up against it. So those four or five might go right up against the new number. So I guess I should say, that in some for some teams, the, the, the strategies might change, and for some they won't. But I think that's why we're, we're, it's taken a couple of days to just kind of. It's going to take a couple of days for teams to figure out exactly what they want to do. But, yeah, you're going to see a lot of teams spend up to the new numbers. So that is a change.
4: You know, whenever you have these negotiations, everybody wants to talk about who wins, who loses, did both win, did both lose. However you view it, I look at a scenario, I think of it from a business standpoint. I think about what the owners are now going to be bringing in with Apple TV, with Peacock. There's all this new revenue coming in. So whatever they ended up giving the players, they needed to give the players a little more, but it it allows them to do all this money coming in from new revenue sources, and you gave some players some extra money, gives you some breathing room for five years. Now that you've had a little time to sit back and and, and how do you view how this deal went down between the owners and the players?
0: I, I can I think I can sum it up pretty well without getting into the weeds too much. Um, it's my contention that. The players did get some sort of, the way I'll describe it, everyday victories. Like the money going into their pockets went up dramatically. Um, those new revenue streams, pre-arbitration pool, things like that. It, it did go up day, day in and day out kind of money. But the owners held tight on the sort of foundational part of this game economically. Salary arbitration after three years, free agency after six. Um, no real anti-tanking rules were that's my biggest thing. They did the lottery draft, but I don't think that uh, the draft lottery. I don't think the draft lottery is going to just wait changing. I really don't. In fact, I think the pirates don't mind if they pick fifth instead of first, because then they can pay the guy a little less. So, I, I, I foundationally, the, the behavior of teams can basically be the same, though. There's just more money into the pot for the players. So I guess it's win-win, lose-lose a little bit. Because, look, if, if there's seven, eight teams taking every year, five, six, seven, there, there's that many less teams bidding on free agents. And that has not changed with the new rules. So, I, 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 But there are other ways for players to get paid that protects, I guess, in, uh, against tanking. you're on a bad team and you win rookie of the year, you're going to get a big bonus. So, um, they're, they're, they're win-win on some aspects, and then there's some losing aspects as well.
4: When you, you look at whether you're going to be in or out, adding more teams to the playoffs, I'm hoping for September, I'm hoping before any type of you know trade deadline that the teams are going to look at that and more teams are going to be, I'm not going to say all in, but they're going to be in to try and make the playoffs. Do you think the additional playoff teams will do that for us?
0: A little bit. I, I actually was an advocate for 14, and I'm, I'm a traditionalist, but I, I, that's the old days are gone you know the game has to evolve i like the idea of less teams just selling everybody at uh, on july 31st if more teams have a chance at the playoffs there's a there's a way to avoid the tanking cycles you know have more teams available for the postseason on july 31st so they don't sell off the team um so yeah i think 12 will help um but you know i think 14 would have been better that's kind of my opinion
4: how tough is it right now where we are? And games aren't going to start till March 17th, uh, 18th down at spring training. We won't have our first games until April 7th for the A's. We're going to open up in Philly on the 8th. But just how tough is it to figure out, like, who really are the true contenders right now with so many holes on these 26-man rosters?
0: I think it's all on paper right now. Like, for example, I think the St. Louis Cardinals are the best team in the NL Central far and away, but that's on paper. I don't know what Adam Wainwright at 40 years old is going to look at. I don't know what Yadier Molina is going to look like without off-season training like they normally have, without talking to coaches. I'm just using those two as an example. So on paper, I think we can sort of identify, you know, you could say coming off of last year, the Astros are pretty good, the, the Yankees and Red Sox are pretty good, but who knows how injuries are going to play a part. I mean, they have no contact for 99 days. Training was different. Was it better? Was it worse? That's what the season will tell us. Um, injuries seem to be a, a big conversation part already. Um, and so maybe just simply the healthiest team will be the best team. We'll see.
4: Let's end on this. With the limited time managers are going to have with these guys to get them ready for the season, I think about us keeping Mark Kotze in the family and having him be the new manager to replace Bob Melvin has now even even look looks even more like a great idea because he already knows everybody, all the relationships. How key is it in this short time that you have somebody that knows the team versus bringing somebody from the outside who would have limited time to build those relationships? I, I
0: think it is big, and it's not a cliche. Um uh, Tony Louisa, for example, was managing the White Sox last year. This was his first year at 77 years old, and he had a cram to, to get to know people and to build the trust. I think it would have been a problem. So I think I think something like the, you know, the Kotze move does benefit, for sure. It kind of reminds me of 2020 COVID. Teams that kind of were ready to rock and roll and weren't sort of feeling their way through things with a new manager, I think we're better off. I think it's the same thing here. Now he's a new manager, but the relationships are there. So, yeah, it's... We didn't know it would be a benefit six months ago, five months ago. But it certainly, I think, will be for the teams that are familiar with their personnel.
4: Before we let you go, you're down in Arizona. You guys are going to have a special event remembering all of our friend and what a wonderful man, Pedro Gomez. Yeah, there's a
0: little charity event tonight, fundraiser, cocktail. uh, We're funding a scholarship program in his honor. I think there's going to be a band. And then tomorrow, a softball game kind of – I don't want to call it a celebrity softball game, but a softball game of Pedro's friends um, over at near the uh, Cubs facility. So, yeah, that it's kind of like a weekend thing. It just happens to be as they go through spring training. I, I feel like Pedro had something to do with that.
4: Well, Guy, okay. you guys have a great time in honoring a, a wonderful man and truly what he did yeah. in broadcasting and sports. And, you know, he, he had a – he had quite a great history up here in the Bay Area, and he has a lot of friends up here and people that will always love him. So you guys have fun with that, honoring a, a very, very special person. And it's great to have you back on the program. It's great to have baseball back, and we'll talk to you soon.
0: You good? You got it. Take care. Thank you.
4: Jesse Rogers from ESPN. Boom. I'm, we haven't even taken a break today. I know. It's been kind of wild. I'm, I, we're,
2: we're uh, what, an hour and 40 I we 45 minutes in, so almost two hours in without a, a break. It's
4: I mean, all i got to say is Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek. We're still open. We're still doing business. You'll love the restaurant, full bar, you name it. Go see I went, the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek. I went there a few weeks ago on my way back from Sonoma. So for us, we're going to be on the air. Well, what are we going to do? Because normally in the off season, we're on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Yeah, uh, but we're only gonna have one week of Monday, Wednesday, and then we got a game on Friday. Yeah, so we'll we'll figure that part out. I mean, maybe we maybe we come on after spring
2: training games, or maybe we just we do Monday, Wednesday, and because we got you know you have game day duties with. I well, actually we gotta see we're, what we're doing for spring training pre if we're doing any pregame because hey we're all on the fly right now. Yeah, so we'll figure that part out because we both have duties when it comes to pregame for spring for for regular season games. Wait,
4: wait, wait, whoa, whoa.
2: What do you mean? You got duties? What do you mean? I, could, I contribute to two of the six segments you do. Seven segment, whatever it is. Okay,
4: copying, pasting, and saving, and sending something on an email. Yeah, that's that's twelve minutes. That saves you twelve minutes. Yeah. Oh God.
2: <laughs> but yeah, we're 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 still trying. You know, we're still trying to figure out all that stuff out. And like Ken said, he's going to be there on Tuesday, and going to be. Call, you know, he said he's going to be calling game next Friday, which is great. So you'll hear him and Vinny. Next well, start on Friday. We got games every day. Yeah, uh, I think our first—I I think I closed the schedule. No, I still have it. Our first spring training off day will be Monday, the twenty-first.
4: You know what we should do? What? And what time are those games? It though? doesn't have the
2: times on the schedule that Matt Kawahara signed up. But it's probably going to be either.
4: Wait, we switch. Uh, Daylight savings is s- is Sunday. Sunday, so it'll be—it'll probably
2: be what, what he, one o'clock. It might be noon. I don't Wait, know. it will be either twelve or one.
4: This <laughs> is the, this is real poor knowledge. But I think this is when Arizona becomes uh, at the same, same time, time as us, right? That's a great knowledge, not poor knowledge. Well, I wasn't, I wasn't gonna make a bet on it. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It's they. So games
2: will be at one. I, see, I don't know if it's if it's gonna be one or if it's gonna. Yeah, it will be one because before when we had before daylight savings, they would start at one and we start at noon here for us. I think they'll just start at one. You know what we should do since we're just talking out loud. We I also don't know either. Don't.
4: Just don't quote me on the one o'clock start time. For all we know, it if the start game at... start at one, you know what we should do. We should come on like at eleven and just do two do two hours and then throw it to first pitch. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. I mean, that's always something. And not do like a regular pregame. I mean, a pregame show for for spring training. Really, hey, it's A's and Reds from. Because the problem is, if we come on after. A's baseball to do A's cast live. Now that takes pretty much the East Coast guys out of the picture. Yeah. Because by the time we get on, it's 4.35 o'clock. It's 8 o'clock back there. Yeah. They're already half in the bag having dinner in Florida. (laughs) (laughs)
2: That's true. So
4: it it would be probably better to come on like at 11, do a couple hours, and then next up, first pitch, here's Vince and Ken. Yeah, and hopefully we figure out –
2: We'll figure out what's going on, but um, we'll uh, we'll hopefully have answers. Why does this say? It keeps repeating the same thing.
4: Wait Why does this say March 18th and 20th? I heard we're the 17th and 18th. Am I wrong on the dates? When's our first spring training game? Uh, Our first spring training game is March 18th against the Angels. Yeah. So maybe the 17th is. See, everything switches. I wrote this down last night off MLB Network. They had spring training games start 17th, 18th. Is that not true, seventeenth?
2: Uh, let me let me look at. Um,
4: I'm gonna take
2: that off my notes. Uh, so the Rockies, the Rockies and um, Diamondbacks are starting on the seventeenth.
4: Oh, else, okay. So then I'm right. Yeah, the
2: Cactus League, and the, I'm looking at the Cactus League only. The Diamondbacks and Rockies are starting on the seventeenth. Everyone
4: else is starting the next day on that Friday. All right, so I'm putting that back in my notes. Spring training starts March seventeenth. One team plays. That's when it starts. Yeah. So. Or if two teams play. That's when it starts.
2: Sorry, I'm listening, I'm trying to fix, apparently we're having, uh, we're clipping on the audio, so I'm trying to work on the sound here. Well, it's our first first full
4: show back, you know, we haven't done a show in 100 plus days. We will be dealing with some issues beyond what you think money-wise for players and owners. And this is something that was brought up that kind of, you know, you don't really think about when talking about the international players, but... Even in a normal time, the great Mickey Morabito and everybody has their version of Mickey Morabito, traveling secretaries, how are you going to get the international guys into town? I mean, every year you've got to deal with the visas and guys are late. And what happens if you're late to spring training now? Can you imagine? I mean, they, they talk about some guys it takes weeks. You don't got weeks. And then a point that you brought up earlier today to me that I didn't even know, but we still have unvaccinated players. If you're unvaccinated, you can't go to Canada. And that's our second That's our second series of the year, right? Is it against the Blue Jays? Uh, I think it's the third. The third It goes Philly, Tampa, Toronto. Okay. So third series of the year for the A's is Canada. You're not vaccinated. You can't go. Yeah. that I'll, I'll
2: read the full tweet. It's from Shai DeViti, um, who covers the Blue Jays for, uh, I think it's Sporting, yeah, for Sportsnet in Canada. His tweet is, with Canadian borders still closed to unvaccinated visitors, MLB players who haven't taken COVID-19 shots will be placed on the restricted list when their teams are in Toronto. This means no pay and no service time
4: for duration of series. Wow. So you're not getting paid. You're not getting the service time, which it's just a couple days, but you're not getting paid. That's big checks. And they're put on what list? It looks like a restricted list is what they're saying it is. So does the ball club have the ability to call
2: people up? Um, this is. I'm looking through his
4: thread of tweets. Um, uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't that know is a very good question because if you have a 26-man roster and you have X amount of guys not vaccinated, you don't want to show up to take on the vaunted Toronto Blue Jays lineup and you got 13, or let's say you got, I'll give you a you got only 19 players. Yeah, well, the rumor that was coming out earlier was apparently
2: um, – Jesse had this earlier, and then Bob Nightingale also had it. Apparently, baseball is going to talk to the, you know, to the GMs in the next few weeks to determine whether expanded rosters are needed in the month of April. No decision has been made. I think you're going to kind of have to for teams that are going to be playing in Canada. There might be a special exemption that gets made for that, because this is apparently in the in the uh, thread of tweets that Shai has here. You know, this was a significant discussion. The point, as players considered CBA yesterday, were told a few teams took serious issue with the matter. But ultimately, relented. The Canadian vaccination rules aren't a problem for current Blue Jays players, but it's a consideration in their player move moves all offseason. Uh, MLB finished the 2021 postseason with nearly 88 percent of t- all tier one individuals fully vaccinated. You're right; there are going to be players to um, there are players that are still you know unvaccinated you know throughout the sport.
4: Yeah, like for instance, let's say. Whew one of your starting pitchers or two of your starting pitchers that are pitching in that series are not vaccinated. And when you say fully vaccinated, they have to be fully vaccinated. Is that two shots, is that three shots? How many shots is that? I think well, I know a lot of places are different, but like I know in California fully vaccinated is all three shots. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Like okay, that's California. Okay, what's Canada? That's the only thing that matters, right? What 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 what's what's the rules in Canada?
2: Yeah, a uh, unfortunately, I'm not a
4: Canadian citizen, so I don't know what the rules are. That's something to think about that we're going to have to do. De- normally, I wouldn't bring it up, but I'm bringing it up because that's the first road
2: trip we're on. Yeah, it is. Um, so, hopefully, we can, you know, hopefully, it's so the last part of the road trip because I, I, the schedule breakdown is actually pretty pretty wild for the A's. Um, uh, Matt Kalahar had it in his latest article. Let me see why I have it here. Um, for the way the season starts. They will start with – first of all, the A's will start with 17 consecutive days. Um, the last time the A's opened as a road team was in 2009, so I'm, we're not counting, counting Japan. We're counting actual road teams. I, that was a long
4: road trip. I was on both those, the, last, the recent ones. Yeah, the
2: last road opener against an, AL, or against an East Division team came in 2005 at Baltimore. The A's have never started the season playing 10 consecutive games as a road team, according to baseball reference. So they're doing all of that right now. Right. we're gonna play ten straight road games? Yeah, I think it's. Uh, let me pull up the schedule. How is then. that possible? Let me pull up our. Is one of them a four-game set? I think one. I don't know if it's Tampa or Toronto. It might be. It might be Tampa. That's a four-game. Yeah, it has to be. Uh, let me just make sure. It's gonna be one of the the second or third series. So the series in Philly is Friday, Saturday, Sunday.
4: Four days in Tampa, which you're really not in Tampa, you're in Saint Petersburg. Oof. It's uh four Oof. days yeah, four games in Tampa. Oh god. And you gotta play in that horrible dome four straight days. I'm surprised Korak's not taking that off already. That's a bad trip. That I'm telling you, that dome is so awful. And Saint Petersburg is like a retirement. <laughs> <laughs> That's just so funny. People go, "Ah, it's the Tampa Bay rate." You're not in Tampa, you're in Saint Petersburg. That'll be that'll be a trip. Oh, Uncle Townie is happy. He is not on. I can guarantee you that. But yeah, these are these are the things. There's so much that goes into these deals, like the. You know, we focus on all this money stuff and everything, but there's so many minor details. Like, who, when they were doing this, were like, uh-oh, guys, we've got to like, what happens if guys are not vaccinated we've got to go to Toronto? What happens to the guys who are not in this country in visas? You know, it's great we're talking about $230 million for a luxury tax, but what about there's all these minor small, and every detail really isn't small. They're all major details. And I thought about this today watching they're playing clips of Manfred talking to the press and the press was trying to have tough conversations with him and this is this and this is probably I mean no one's really done it better than this guy has been Roger Goodell and when people say you know, should Rod Manfred? He was asked this question by somebody. Shouldn't you? You know, how do you feel about the relationship with the players? And do the players feel valued? And he's got to stand up there. And unfortunately for the commissioner, in front of the program, by the way, the commissioner's got to stand up there, and he has to take the bullets. He does. But he's paid a lot of money to do it. And what, you know, the media is always pro players, and I guess they should be because. They cover the players, and the players are the ones that are going to give them stories. If the media went out and attacked all the players, trust me, the players would be reading it. They're reading everything because they haven't had anything to do. And if all of a sudden they're reading, you know, guys said this, and me, you know, guys or gals said this in the media, and they were against the players. Well, guess what? When they sh- guess what? When they show up to spring training, you think they're going to be getting good? quotes and they're going to be getting interviews from the players if the players think you were against them. So the media is always going to be pro players. But in the end, the commissioner works for the owners. He doesn't work for the players. The players didn't hire him. The players don't pay his salary. The people that Rob has around them, players don't pay for them. The owners do. The commissioner of any league NBA, NHL, NFL, Major League Baseball, the commissioner is an employee of the owners. That's who they work for. And the fact that this deal is done, and Rob Manfred can say, yes, you know, we got to do a better job working with the players and blah, 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 blah. He walks out of here with a five-year deal and the ability to grow the game of baseball, and to make more money for the owners. That's the reality. Yeah, there, there, there's there's some beachheads that were set up for the players where they won. Good for them. I feel good for the guys where the, the minimum has gone up. Good for those guys and their families to make more money. I'm happy for them. But it's the agents and the super rich that they're not going to be happy because they're always going to want more and in reality is the owners and the top dollar players are really more alike than you think cuz what do they all want they want more you know the guy making 700 grand he may be thinking about it but the majority of guys who make 700 grand are never going to sign 10 year contracts 99% of them will never sign that The top players in Major League Baseball are more like the billionaire owners than they or you think. They're actually very similar. Now, you just confused me by showing me something that I can't read as I was trying to make... Yeah, we, we,
2: we need to go to a, a break. I need, uh, there's something wrong with one of our... Uh, something about the audio. I, I just have it. to correct...
4: I, I don't know if that came out right. But the high-priced players... And the owners are more alike than they think. As they fight each other, it's really like looking into a mirror. Because both of them have the main objective. Always be making money. As Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Did you ever see that movie? I haven't, no. Always be closing. They're always about getting a bigger deal. So the top players and the owners are very similar. All right, coming up next. I saw the name Clayton Kershaw. Is there breaking news with Clayton Kershaw? There is. Has he signed?
2: Yes, but he's re-signed with the Dodgers on a one-year deal. That's there, what
4: you're That's what you're distracting me for? Yeah, well, well it's big news. It's free agency. Uh, right now, MLB Network's on a commercial. It can't be that big of news. Yeah. Ken Rosenthal breaking news. All right, breaking news next right here on A's Cast Live.
2: A's Cast Live continues
0: from the town. Here's Chris Townsend.
4: All right. I'm being informed that we are a go. Everything is good. Is that correct?
2: Oh, that is correct. I've been told that we we're good. I did a I did a test on Clayton Kershaw's breaking news: one-year deal with the Dodgers. So he's back. According to Ked Rose, Clayton Kershaw back with the Los Angeles Dodgers.
4: Big deal for them. So he is also a March baby. Is my birthday on Tuesday? His birthday is March 19th, I think, just right after me. Yes, March 19th. Clayton Kershaw is going to turn 34 years old. A 1-year deal, and you just wonder cuz 34 is a young man. I mean, this guy's career is pretty incredible. In the live bat era, he has the lowest ERA. He's an MVP. He's a three-time Cy Young Award winner, a triple crown winner for pitchers, a five-time ERA title winner, um, gold glove, obviously World Series champion. He's done everything that you can do in the game, but he's still young. And he's pitched for 14 years because he came up at the age of 20. And you just wonder, you know, a one-year deal, they're not giving the details of the amount of money, but you're just kind of wondering, like, how does this end? I mean, it's not a one-year with an option. It's just a, and by the way, Mark Kotze will join us coming up here at 3.30. He's talking to the press right now in a press conference. He'll call in. We'll get him as soon – as soon as he's done with the media, which could be even before 3.30. So we will be flexible and ready to rock for Kotz as soon as uh, he is ready to go. But I just wonder. I mean, he didn't have a bad year last year. He had a 3.55 ERA. He had trouble staying healthy, though. This was a guy who was, you know, locked in 200 innings for many, many years. And last year it was 121 and two-thirds. A lot of people will go to... Uh, the shortened season from the year before as an excuse, because in the shortened season, he was fabulous. In the shortened COVID year, he was 6-2 and two with a 2.16 ERA. He was phenomenal. So what are you going to get at 34 years old? And this is that dance that becomes very tough for ownership, front office, player love the player, he's been in your system, he's turned himself into a Hall of Fame player, he will always be beloved in franchise history, but how much? How long do you want to keep paying him at a premium price, and how long does he want to keep pitching? It's always easier for a player to, to leave an organization and take less money. I think a great example of that is Buster Posey of the San Francisco Giants. You know, the Giants probably didn't want to keep paying him top dollar. He and his pride doesn't want to take a major pay cut. And he doesn't want to play for another team. Now, if you go play for another team, it's easier to take a pay cut because everybody goes, hey, he's a great player, future Hall of Famer. He's this, he's that. And you know he's going to you know he he's a young man at 30 something he still wants to play so it's okay to go play for somebody else and take less money but there's something that's so tough for the organization and the player to say you're taking a lesser of a role you're not the guy anymore and we're not going to pay you as much for some reason, the ego and the pride for the player can't handle it. I'll give you a great example. Frank Thomas. Frank Thomas leaving Chicago for Oakland. Frank couldn't stay in Chicago. Injuries, money, they didn't want to pay him. It just it got ugly. But he comes to Oakland, makes makes less money, and he talks about how it's his favorite year in baseball. He couldn't have that anymore in Chicago. We've seen this in so many instances where the franchise player, if he wants to keep playing and he's not going to be playing at that star level of his prime, he's got to go somewhere else. It's going to end badly. And they have essentially prolonged this thing for one more year. Maybe Kershaw only wants to pitch for one more year. I mean, looking at the World Series, his kids are still young. Maybe he wants to... You know, you never know how long, you know, once you've made all the money you need, you never know how much longer a guy is going to play. I mean, let's say he gets to the magical number of 200 wins and just says, shut her down. I mean, to get to the Hall of Fame now, he's probably going anyway, but getting to the Hall of Fame now, you got the numbers and you got 200 wins, you're going in. Unless they want to attack you on your post-career things like a Kurt Schilling. He, I believe, is 26
2: strikeouts away from passing or tying Don Sutton for the franchise record, so maybe that's one of the reasons why he wanted to come back. He wanted to try to have all the pitching records with the but Dodgers. To retire
4: at 33 is really young.
2: I mean, we've seen players retire young, but more so football players. But there's guys that retired pretty young. Um, I'm trying to think if I can think of a baseball player that's done it.
4: Yeah, who's retired? Well, how old's Buster Posey? Posey's 30. I
2: think he's 34 actually. 34-35, so he's right Posey in there. Posey
4: doesn't want to take the pay cut. They don't want to pay him big money, and he doesn't want to go play for somebody else, so it's easier just to retire. And you
2: mentioned Frank Thomas' year at the Ace in 06. 39 homers, 114 RB high, and a 270 batting average. Uh, the year before in Chicago, 12 homers, 26 RBIs in 34 games. He played 137 with the Ace.
4: We see this in the NBA. We see this a lot in football with quarterbacks. Like when you're like, yeah, we, we don't want this guy to be the starter anymore, but yet he's he's greatness. He's our guy, but we don't want to pay him. We got you know. I mean, there's been plenty of great quarterbacks who have been ushered out, and they go on to play for other people. Whether it be a Johnny Unitas, a Joe Namath, Brett Favre, Joe Montana, Joe Montana, <laughs> Tom Brady. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it happens. It happens all. Over. I mean, look at the NBA. There's been plenty of guys that don't stay with one franchise. The one franchise for your entire career, guy, is very, very rare. Our own Steph Curry. Are you gonna be shocked if Steph Curry plays for a different? If Steph wants to play play a long time, which Steph could be one of those guys that says, "How much have I got in the bank? How long have I played?" Maybe I do want to go try and play on the senior tour in golf, the Champions Tour, as they call it now. <laughs> uh, I could see Steph walking away, but I could also see Steph later on in his career playing for somebody else. I mean, you play as long as you want to play. You only live once. So you might as well play until – if you want to be one of those guys that play play till they take the jersey off you, God bless you, do it. I would never hate on one of those guys. But this is going to be a tough one with Clayton Kershaw because at some point the Dodgers are going to say no and he's going to have to decide does he move on or does he retire? And like I said in March here, you know, I'm talking about turning 50. He's just turned 34. He's a young man. Yeah.
2: Another March baby, by the way. Seth Curry turns 34 on on Monday. Curry's going to be 34? Yeah. Wow. He's, we're, we're, he's only about eight months older than I am.
4: A lot more money children NBA champions championships far more mature uh when I go into his bathroom I don't think he has a nightlight that's a stormtrooper like you do uh that was a gift a couple years ago uh just because it's a gift doesn't mean you have to use it that's our
2: spats Our that's not that's our guest bathroom
4: yes Uh, it's not the bathroom that only you and your wife see it's the bathroom everybody (laughs) sees you put a stormtrooper night because I just know because if 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 you're wondering, this is an inside thing, but we're doing this from Co- uh, Cody's apartment here in a Japan Town in downtown San Jose because my studio is being redone as we speak to get it ready for opening day for all the great things that we're going to be doing out of that studio and uh, higher quality. And but mine is almost done, so I'm at Cody's pad and the spare bedroom. I still they're showing it on MLB Network. I still not. The Rangers paying Marcus Simeon seven years, $175 million. God bless Marcus. You know we love him, his family, and I'm happy for him. Seven years from now, are we going to look back at $175 million and go, what a great deal? Uh, You, you want to root for the player and say, yeah,
2: but I we know from a lot of revisionist history, it doesn't work out for these long-term deals guys in their 30s.
4: Can we get my guy Dan O'Dowd on? Former GM. I can ask
2: MLB Network. I'm sure they'll help us out. Dan likes us. Do you think he remembers us? He says he listens all the time. (laughs) Every time we bring him on. Do you think he remembers us, though, from the winter meetings? You know, some people have good memories. He uh, he strikes me as a guy that does.
4: Well, I I think he's fantastic. And I'm going to reference this a lot. Age regression model. Age regression model. That is where we are in today's baseball. You have all this data that says guys don't get better as they get older. Guys don't age well. They cannot keep up the the performance of their prime. Hence, Don't want to pay guys as they get older. Bad idea. Was a really bad idea in the 90s when the new ballparks and the cable money came into the game and all these contracts started going out. Now, it worked through a certain time called the steroid era because you had these guys that were on the juice who were still putting up tremendous numbers at the age of, 36 37 38 but as we all know there was a reason for that there was a reason why barry bonds had career numbers in his late 30s when barry bonds one of the greatest players of all time uh, but the age regression model would have told you there's no way that's possible but when you're on the clear the cream and all the other stuff um, that made that possible but that is something in our game that that I guess now the agent – I guess everybody's just kind of accepting it at this point. Maybe not. I could be totally wrong. That's why i like to have Dan on to really talk about that because, you know, talk about building a team and dealing with agents. And But at some point as an agent, you have to deal with reality. You're representing these guys in their careers. And if you're one of these guys who's on the downside and he's not looking good on this age regression model, you can talk him up all you want, but that's not how you're going to get your guy a deal.
2: Who do, can we agree right now? The outlier on this, because I always look at the outlier. The outlier is oh, you're, you're right. the king of
4: outliers because
2: there's been so many guys that have gotten these deals. You'll bring them.
4: up one guy and act like that's the norm. That's how much of an outlier how, guy you. How are. many guys? How many guys get
2: a uh, hundred? Well, let me let me get the exact number on his deal. But how many guys at his age uh, get three for one thirty at the age of uh, what Max Scherzer is? So he's the outlier for this, for your age regression model. Because, as you said, Pujols, Miguel Cabrera, oh. Josh Donaldson looked okay. Then he's been hurt a lot oh. recently. Yeah, stay healthy. So, I mean, I'm trying to find Scherzer. Scherzer was born in 19. 19- but
4: the difference is you're, you're you're giving me. Scherzer's 37. You're giving position players versus pitchers. Yeah, and Scherzer's going to be 38 in July. For God's sakes, Nolan Ryan pitched until he was 46. Yeah, uh, yes, 25 years I want to say he was in the majors. So there are guys, I mean, Verlander's coming back. I'm not going to be shocked at Verlander. I mean, we've seen guys be very successful. Tom Glavin, Greg Maddox, I mean, Hall of Fame pitchers. I mean, you throw in Roger Clemens, but you kind of, that's part of the steroid era. Uh, Randy Johnson. So I would say from an outlier standpoint, I would need non, non-juiced non position player to to really talk about Pitchers, I don't think, are apples to apples here. Yeah. Because you're not asking a 37 year old to play every day. You're asking them to go out there once every five days. Okay. Yeah, that's true. And you've seen a ton of guys that are in their 30s who are a reliever, late 30s. Do we have Markotze? You do, Tony. How are you, buddy? This skipper of your Oakland Athletics, how are you? And uh, I think you got to be pretty pumped because it's now time to go.
5: It is time to go. And we hit the ground running. Uh, We had some guys locally in Arizona and uh, got them out there for a little workout today. Um, Just got finished up, and and, uh, here I am. I'm Tony.
4: You know, one of the big things, I I think, for this organization and yourself is the fact that you're going to have a very limited time. It's going to be like a 40-yard dash to opening day. But just talk about how key all your relationships, how you know these players, you know how they tick, that even though it's going to be a shortened time, it's going to be okay because how well you know the organization, the front office, and the players.
5: Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate those compliments. Um, it, it, definitely accelerates, uh, the process as you, as you mentioned, uh, the relationships that exist here, these, the, the, the players are, 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 a little bit more comfortable. They, they, they know me, uh, you know, more intimately than, than the new players that are, that are coming in, uh, which will, which will help the new players. Um, you know, in terms of building these relationships, uh, with the, with the new guys, uh, you know, we're going to hit the ground running. Uh, yesterday at four o'clock when we finally got permission to to reach out and speak to our guys Um, you know it was great just hearing their voices it was great to hear the excitement and energy on, on the other line about you know getting started so
4: yeah that's the one thing as you know yourself as now a manager as a coach as a former player the worst thing is is having the thing you love the most taken away from you? When you started talking to those guys yesterday, did you hear like an, an appreciation in their voice that they're going to get this back and get going again here in 2022?
5: Yeah, there definitely was an appreciation. There, there, there was an excitement about it. Um, you know, they've been training. Um, they've been preparing. So, you know, I think these these players now – um, understood that they could be locked out for an extended period of time. They took that seriously, um, you know, and they continued their preparation so that when and if uh, the time came, they would be ready. And, and that's what I'm seeing. Uh, I saw that today in, in some batting practice. I saw it in some side sessions today, uh, you know, where if they hadn't been training uh, over this course of time, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't have been as crisp and as clean as it was.
4: You know, I tell the fans all the time, don't sweat all the preview magazines and all the predictions because they're never going to love us. It's just I've been doing this a long time. They're never, ever, ever going to see us as the team to watch out for. I'm just used to it, right? I know you're used to it, and you've been around this for so long. But just how excited are you for the group of players you have right now to compete with?
5: Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited um you know this group uh they've been together uh you know for for four years they've had success together um you know it's exciting to that you know they um felt last year uh that they that they you know fell short of their accomplishment of getting to the postseason and uh and you can tell that there's a there's a level of energy in here uh and, and 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 desire to get back
4: you know, one thing a lot of people don't realize is that A's starting pitchers pitched more innings last year than anyone else in baseball. How much do you guys talk about that, and how that is a great trend because a lot of people are trending the other way with their starters?
5: Yeah, it was it was unbelievable. Um, you know, if I think if you asked you know the average baseball fan, you know what group of starting pitchers led you know, all of baseball and innings pitched uh, most of the average fan would have probably acknowledged the Dodgers or, you know, maybe, maybe even, you know, um, Atlanta, but uh, here we are, you know, the group of five, they stayed healthy all season uh, outside of of Bass, you know, and his uh, freak injury towards the end uh, with the line drive, but um, they all made their starts. They all stayed healthy and they
0: pitched great.
4: You know, the one guy that I'm worried about for this spring is the guy that has to make the ball club and the guy that's not only auditioning for the A's, and you can say this for every other team, it's that guy who's trying to make a roster. He's not only auditioning for the A's, but he's auditioning for 29 other teams also, and usually you have a full spring to showcase your versatility and how you can help a ball club. That guy's not going to have that kind of chance this year. So what is that like for you evaluating someone like that to make sure they get every opportunity to showcase their skills?
5: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and there, there is there is a shortened time frame, uh, you know, uh, with with the game schedule leading up to opening day. Um, we will do our best to give everybody, uh, you know, the opportunity uh, to, to show their skills, to, to engage in games. Um, again, we have to balance how quickly we want to accelerate uh, these players uh, out of the gate uh, with risk of injury on the backside uh, if we accelerate them too quickly. So I, I do think that there will be opportunity that exists to get these younger players and, and, and these you know, roster, non-roster invitee players that are trying to make a team uh, an opportunity to showcase
1: themselves.
4: You know, thinking back when when you were a player, how long do you think it took you, at bats wise, fly balls, throwing to bases, running the bases, before you went, yeah, I'm ready to go. How long do you think it took you?
5: Well, I think you know you get your legs under you probably in, in about four to six days in terms of you know the the, the hardest part is generally the first five days when you're standing out in the outfield just waiting to shag baseballs uh the, we call those the uh, the spring training legs those get built up but in terms of throwing the bases uh you know catching a fly ball those things come back day one uh in terms of putting the bat in the baseball um you know you, you work throughout the offseason you, you you do a majority of hitting and and, and some throwing but Uh, the baseball skill set comes back pretty quickly. It's the conditioning side, I think, that takes a little bit longer.
4: You know, I've heard some some people in the media talk about these are unprecedented times, and I went, you know what, I'm not so sure about that because what happened for you guys in 2020 and the 60-game schedule and really, I know we called it spring training 2.0 or we called it summer camp. Is this very similar, how quick you got to get ready to what you did before that 60-game schedule?
5: Yeah, you know, I'd say there's some similarity to it. Absolutely. Um, the different, the only difference is we cranked it up in March, and when we got shut down, I believe it was March 10th or March 11th. Um, but but then you look at the amount of time before we got back into, you know, did you call it uh, Spring 2.0, uh, which which took place July 4th, I believe, or in or around the 4th. So there was actually a period of time for those players to to have to, you know, be away from. Um, be away from the game they did their best to stay in shape and I think that's very similar to what we're going through. I I would agree with you that they're not necessarily unprecedented times um, because we have gone through a shortened spring training uh, in 2020 uh, that we have somewhat of a baseline on uh, to fall back on uh, through those experiences.
4: Now you, you 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 had quite a few managers in your career stand up that first day and talk to the team and really set the tone for that season uh, you're going to have that meeting. I wish I could be in the room. I know we're not allowed, but I wish I could be in the me- the room for your first one. How much have you thought about that at night when you're putting the head on the pillow and you got the wheels spinning? How much have you thought about that first time you're going to address? It's your team. You're the leader. You're the guy at the front of the plane. You're the guy at the front of the bus. Uh, just that that first conversation to the team and getting ready for the season. How much uh, have you thought about that speech?
5: You yep. know, to be quite honest, I've, I've I've tried to not think about it because I think you know uh, you want it to to somewhat be organic, right? You want to you want to fill the room, you want to feel the heartbeat uh, and the pulse uh, when you walk in there. Um, but yeah, there there's some thought that goes into the message, and uh, obviously it's it's the first day. Uh, it'll be a big group. Um, we'll also have our front office in there. We'll have uh, you know other people that that are uh, you know helping these players on a daily basis. We want to make sure that we introduce everybody. Um, And and then, you know, the message, um, the message will come together. Uh, I think you know me well and and you know the energy and the passion and, and the care that'll come through uh, through that message. And, and uh, you know, I I can't tell you uh, that I haven't maybe taken some notes, but I will tell you it's not put together 100% yet.
4: Well, you know, when I think about great leaders, they're not all the same, but they have a lot of similar qualities. And you played for some good managers. When you look back in your career, what was like one of the qual—the one quality you could see in a lot of the good ones?
5: I think I referenced it a second ago in the term of care. The good ones really care, and uh, and they they aren't. a – afraid uh, of that emotional component coming across um, on both sides. So, uh, you know, you can, you can kiss on them and love on them, and then you better make sure that when they step out of line, you can, uh, you know, you can have, strike a little bit of fear in them. So, um, you know, the Bruce Bochy's, uh, the Terry Francona's, uh, I can share a personal story about Tito uh, the day that he had to tell me uh, in Boston, that they were releasing me, designating me for assignment in 2009. There, there was there was some emotion expressed in that, and uh, and and I will never forget that day. He had a huge impact on me, and uh, and and I I love him for that.
4: Yeah, we think so many times about how everybody's a robot, and it's just not true. And there's so much as a manager that you need to know away from the white lines, that players, they're human beings, they're in relationships, they got – Wives and girlfriends and I mean think about you and your kids being born in Oakland and there's you know if a guy's you know if a guy's got his head down a little bit and referencing Bruce Boach he's saying he's got his dauber down a little bit you, you, you know you can be there for these young men because you've been through that just talk about reading the room it's just not all about data and analytics there's more to professional baseball because of everything that happens in these human beings lives.
5: Yeah, 100%. When they walk in that door, you know, and 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 you, as as both said, the dollars down. Uh, there's ways to communicate to them to pick them up. Every one of us deals with distractions and 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 issues in our lives that that are real, and uh, it's tough to focus on on baseball or your job when when you have those underlying issues weighing on you. And 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 to be able to communicate them, to be able to open up to someone and have that trust factor that we all uh, we all want and, and need uh, to be able to talk to someone and, and get those feelings expressed and get them out uh, enables you to perform. And I think you're right. I had an extended big league career, 17 years. I experienced success. I experienced uh, failure. Uh, I, was, I went through injury. Um, as you said, the greatest moment of, uh, of my life happened in Oakland with, with two of my daughters being born. Uh, while I was in Oakland Athletic, and and actually my son Trey was born an Oakland Athletic, and then I was traded the next month to to <laughs> Atlanta. But um, the roots are here in Oakland, and uh, and and I'm I'm just you know so honored, so privileged to to be sitting here and and managing this ball club, um, and and you know looking forward to that uh, first day and on the fields uh as a group
4: yeah we can't wait and we've talked about here on ace cast live you're the perfect fit and we can't wait to to watch this you and your ball club and let's end on this normally if you were told you're going to start on the road it's going to be a long east coast road trip it's philly it's tampa toronto but i got a feeling you guys are all going to be so jazzed just to play that you guys aren't going to care that you're starting on the road, and you're not going to care that it's a long trip on the East Coast, right?
5: We're not, you know, and it's baseball, and uh, and nobody's going to feel sorry for us uh, uh, that we're starting on the road. Uh, you, you never know what the weather's going to be like back east. Uh, April eighth in Philadelphia, you could you could have a great day at sixty five degrees, or you could catch a cold front going through and and possible you know snow. Uh, but uh, we'll be prepared. Um, you know, we're, we're going to spend these next 25 plus days here in Arizona, uh, getting our fundamentals down, uh, getting our mindset right, building our culture and, and, and being prepared for that day.
4: Well, we can't wait to talk to you every single week during the uh, during the season. So the fans get to get to hear from you and get to hear how everything's going with this ball club. But uh, more importantly, we're back in business. You're back in business. So good luck to the start of spring. And we can't wait to talk to you soon.
5: All right, all Tony. Right, thanks,
4: buddy. The great Mark Kotze, the new manager of your Oakland Athletics right here on A's Cast and A's Cast Live, and we'll have him every single week and we'll, uh, you know, break down what's going on with this ball club, man. Really, man, if you ever were wondering if he's the perfect guy, you can't find a better fit. I mean, here's somebody that knows – Everything about this organization, loves this organization. The players love, the players trust. Trust is such a huge factor that when he stands up in front of the room, it's not like, you know, because if you had somebody that nobody knew and you're calling around to other guys going, hey, you played for this guy and you did this and you did that. um, Yeah, that would be dicey. There, 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 there's there's no questions going into the season. Who's in charge? Who the manager is? What makes him tick? What kind of guy he is? And that's what you want when you're going to have a really short spring training. Seriously, games start next Friday, a week from now. We're going to blink and it's opening day. So a new guy wouldn't have time to come in here and build all relationships and get to know guys. I mean, the A's can really hit the ground running with Marc it was a. Uh, I don't want to sound
2: too cliche, but it was a home run hire to bring. This is Ad Cotts to be the manager. Hey, that was bad. It was really bad. Well, I mean, we work in the sports broadcasting industry. Wow. We're full of cliches.
4: Oh, the guy last night. I don't even know who he is, but the guy, the guy last night on MLB Radio, who was he was explaining the uh, Brewers bullpen and used oh, yeah. <laughs> used horses and bell cows. So he used horses and bell cow, obviously, is the expression of a running back in the yeah, NFL. Yeah. But he used horses and bell cows in the bullpen for the Brewers in the same sentence. I couldn't believe it. I mean, don't get me wrong. Everyone knows I'm a big Brewers
2: bullpen guy with Hader and Williams. But, I mean, I, I don't know if I would use that in the same sentence. But they got horses and bell cows. That's true. By the way, uh, rumors, uh, Buster, only was talking about earlier, he wants to see if the Brewers are going to trade Hader. W- why don't we uh, – just wake me up when they actually do trade him. I'm tired of hearing about this every offseason. But back to Kotze. Luke is on the cover of the 2022 A's Media Guide. The
4: media guide's out.
2: The great Mark Kotze is the cover of the media guide. So he's on the he's on the cover. I saw John Shea put it out, and our manager, new manager, is on it. Is it,
4: is it in our? Uh, it should. Well, be. Yeah,
2: we we got an email about
4: it. Yes. Is it out? We did get it. A's release non roster. Where, where, where where's that email? Um, I got it right here. Did I not get that? Oh, A's Media Guy. It came out today. Yeah, it just came I out. I was about to say. Wait a minute.
2: Not, I got it 14 minutes ago.
4: Yeah, let me tell you, man. It's one thing to be a player. It's one thing to be a coach. It's a whole different deal when you're the guy. That's why I say the guy at the front of the plane and the guy at the front of the bus. The manager sits at the front of the bus. He is a guy that he is the leader. And he is the guy that needs to set the tone. He is the guy as he said, you got to know when I, when to pat a guy on the butt and you got to know when to kick a guy in the butt. You got to know your team. Your team's got to believe in you. Your team's got to believe in the message. The front office has to believe in the message. The front office has to do they, they got to all be on the same page building for the same thing because if they're not, it gets ugly and it gets ugly fast. And he's got big shoes to fill. But it doesn't – if somebody was coming in here from out of the family, we would be totally judging them versus Melvin. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But since he's from essentially the Melvin tree, you don't get that sense. You just go, well, Melvin got a good deal, and then Bob moved on, and good luck to him, but, you know, here's Kotze. I mean, how do you not love – I mean, there's everything to love about Kotze. I mean, Katse is the type of guy who, whether he was a player and you want him as a teammate, now you want him as a manager, you want him as a coach. Katse is a gamer. He's a winner. Those are the type. He's an it factor guy. That's the kind of guy Mark Katse is. He's an it factor guy, and that's who you want as a teammate. That's want that you the guy leading your franchise. That's the kind of guy you. I mean. I would – if I didn't believe in that, I wouldn't be saying this. Like, it was just some guy that well, – let's say we hired some guy from the Astros, right? Oh, well, Joe Espada. Joe I know nothing coach. about him. I wouldn't be saying this because I know nothing about him. But he, now that I know Katsay, I can tell you, yeah, Katsay's the guy. I mean, he's the guy. He took, didn't he take you deep in college? No. The guy behind him and walked him. Uh, <laughs> Roxy always says, "No, I didn't give it up. Everybody else gave it no, up." Sorry, that, that
2: was uh, that was Giambi. You gave it up too. The yeah. balls I, I
4: still don't think that ball's landed for everything you've told me. So, the fact that we know him and everybody knows him, you just there's the belief. I mean, now they got to go out and play the games, and good luck. But I mean, the more and more you think about it, it was the perfect hire, especially for now what we're dealing with. And this do, this does. I mean, does it? Doesn't this not feel like 2020? Yeah,
2: because everything's truncated, and yeah, it's. Hopefully, you know. Well, that that was a good year for the A's. So, the, won the division, won a playoff series, so that's why this whole this whole speculation with the new playoff team, where it's like, oh, well, the A's are going to load everyone. There's another playoff team. We we won 86 games. Yes, I can say we. I work for the team. It's fact. We, we won 86 games last year. Fact. I know Toronto won 91, so we still, we finished out of the playoff race. But we were right there in the thick of it towards the very end.
4: And something that we don't like to bring up all the time because it is negative. We're a really old team. No, we're not young. Everybody like oh, the A's are gonna unload her. Someone was emailing me about, I mean, or texting me about Bass. I'm like, do you know how old Bassett is? We're one of the. Last year's team was one of the oldest teams in baseball. I think we were the oldest. Were we the oldest by age? I, I know we had the oldest position I guess of pitchers. That's a dumb thing to say, by the way. Of course, you'd be the oldest by age. <laughs> I mean, by average age, were we the oldest? I remember looking it up. We had like we were
2: tied with the Giants for oldest position players, and I think we had we were tied and we had we were in the. I think we led baseball in our pitchers' age. Okay, that's. Gonna, can, I mean, you
4: could look it up. I'll pull it back up again. That's going to be. It's going to. It's going to dramatically change because we, as of right now, the way we are constructed, and now you got me saying we, well, can say we because we do work for the team. But we're honest. You know, listening here to Ace Cast and Ace Cast Live, of course, the Ace pre- and post-game show, before and after the game, we are as honest as honest can be.
2: Sorry, I was. we were the second oldest team position player-wise. We we're Our average age was 30.1. The Giants were 30.6. But pitching – we were 30.1, tied with the Nationals and Cardinals at the yeah, same time.
4: Not, we're not, 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 not young. So if you average it out, it's actually – But it dramatically changed. So Ramon Laureano is is at 27? Seven games
2: left, yeah. Are you sure? Yes, I saw people tweeting about it because Kotze addressed it during his uh, press conference before he came on with us. Apparently Ramon can work out in spring training. Yep. But he, but once the team starts traveling, he it's not
4: like the NFL. When you're suspended, you can't come to the building. Yeah, so
2: he's 27 games left before he can come back. Is okay. what? Okay,
4: not a. All right, 27 games. You basically just treat that like he starts the year uh, with an injury. Not a big deal. Uh, let me take that back. That is a big deal. But you have to play it like not a big deal. Hey, the guy's injured. He'll be with us in a couple weeks. Piscotty. I'm going through the outfield here. Piscotty, wrist. And old. Not, not to be mean, but old. How old is he? 30. I'm going to say 32. Uh, Piscotty is 30. So old. That's not old. That's still prime.
2: Yeah, once you get over 30 in baseball no, anymore. Oh,
4: <laughs> 32. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that too. He's, 30 is still prime. But okay. he's got a bad wrist. We'll see. And he had the surgery. All right. Left field. Who knows? Well, I mean, it could be Kemp, Pender.
2: P- yep. Okay, so Chad. Lu- Luis Barrera. Barrera um, is a guy, but Barrera's not young. Or Barrera is actually kind of the young. old Seth Brown. Uh, let's see. Let's, let's, Brownie. Uh, Luis Barrera uh, right now is twenty-six. Prime. Um, who, who else did we say? Um, Seth Brown. He's twenty-nine. I want to because it's showing their age from last year, so I'm going to click on their. Seth Brown is 29. He'll be right, 30 29. in July. And then who was the other one? I said Tony Kemp, right?
4: Tony Kemp is. Tony Kemp may be your second baseman, though. Tony Kemp. he has got to play second. I'm just going off 30. what we got. So right now in the 40 man, there's what 35 guys. I'd have to. Uh, I don't. I don't. Know. I don't.
2: I don't ever see that number. How many guys are on there?
4: We got that. E- we also got
2: that email today. I saw the I saw the email about the the players invited to the uh, yeah we got thirty
4: five dudes on the forty man roster oh, okay All right, see forty man then has the thirty five as I see I'm looking at the
2: non roster invitees anyway oh, okay Going I'll take your I'll take your word for it
4: all right so Elvis is short he's thirty three okay. It's going to be, as of right now, what, Camper or Pender at
2: second base? Oh, I forgot to look up who Pender was. Uh, Pender might be 30 also. Uh, 29, he'll be 30 in, at the end of March.
4: Barring any other news, you got the
2: mats at the corners. Uh, there, Matt Chapman is 28, going to be 29 in April. And Olsen will be 28. And Olsen, yeah, will be 28. Sean Murphy behind the dish. He's 27. Prime. Yep, he'll be twenty eight on October, and
4: Ramon's twenty seven as well. Okay, so with Ramon out, somebody's got to play center field. Luis Pereira?
2: barring it again, barring any moves that are made, you're looking at Luis Pereira maybe as a center fielder.
4: A combination of however you want to do that. Whether it's Pender or Kemp, just guessing. One of them's in the left, one of One's them's second. in second. And then who's the H-ing? Eric Thames, Seth uh, Brown.
2: I, don't, I like Thames though. If Thames has a good spring, I, I, the guy, the guy can hit, home runs. I mean, that, that's so important important stat. <laughs> Where I tell you, batting average doesn't matter. Uh, if you can hit a ball in the ballpark, you don't doesn't matter. What it's going to give you a solid batting average. Well that, but if that's all you do, then it won't be. But I could think he could be a a, a solid guy to maybe platoon at the H. But I think he's all—is he a lefty also? I can't remember. He's what. left-handed. So yeah, you're gonna have two left-handed. Yeah, that's not gonna happen. I believe he throws right, though, if I remember. But I yeah, that's left throws right. Uh, by the way, uh, Eric Thames is also 35 years old.
4: Yeah, last time we saw him in the big leagues was 2020,
2: and he hit that year three home runs. Three home runs, but the year before 25. So.
4: All right, I'm just, gonna go, I'm just going to go – I'm just going to – I'm going to get crazy here I'm going to say Japan, opening day DH of Seth Brown. Okay, all right. With what I know. Rotation is going to be bassy with what we know now, right? bassy Frankie Montas, Sean All right, those three. I'll throw you – Oh, we know who's going to be. We already know who the top five are. Cap. Cap and our guy Cole Irvin. Cole Irvin. That would be my five for what we know right now. Sweet Lou is your closer. And the rest of the bullpen.
2: Apparently, I saw I saw reports some guy looks stronger and better than ever,
4: and right now like
2: I said, Are you it, gonna say AJ
4: Puck? Apparently, looks stronger <laughs> and better than ever.
2: <laughs> <laughs> apparently, they, they had an optional. That's workout. great. They had an optional workout. Today. That's
4: great. What's Puck? Twenty six. Uh,
2: yeah, he's getting up there. Uh, let's see. Let Puck was twenty six last year, so yeah, he's probably gonna be either twenty six or turning twenty seven. No, well, oh, yeah, twenty six. He'll be twenty
4: seven in April. Okay, so he's twenty seven. Yeah. All right. Twenty six now, gonna be twenty seven. Uh, Check Nick Allen. Nick Allen's probably like 22, 23. Right around in there. I think he's 20. Let me just pull it up.
2: He's 23. He'll be 24 in October. So he's 23 this season.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Nick Allen could be somebody shortstop, second base, maybe shortstop, maybe move Elvis to second base. Uh, You could do that. Yeah.
2: Or let Nick Allen play second base. I think defensively I may want old Nick Allen. Better range. He's 10 years younger. The kid to pick (laughs) it.
4: So, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I mean, as you said, last year, er, this is a team that almost made the playoffs. This is a team that was 86 and 76. That's 10 games over 500. Now, it was a slide down the stretch. But they, you know, until there are these moves being made, what are we talking about? I mean, every, everybody, just because baseball media people say there's going to be trades doesn't mean there's going to be trades for sure. Who knows how this CBA has changed things? Who knows with revenue sharing... And the A's now going to be getting revenue sharing. Does that start this year? The four teams are now giving getting revenue sharing again.
2: How I re- how I read it, at Matt Kawahara's article. It says the A's will be phased back into revenue sharing recipient under the new collective bargaining agreement between Major League Baseball and the Players Association. The move is tied to the A's reaching an agreement by early 2024 to build a new stadium in Oakland or another location. So it's this year. Yeah, it would sound like it. So and and there was there was four teams that couldn't get it. It was us, the Pirates the Marlins, and the Rays, who are now going to be faced back in.
4: And really the big news today is locally, Carlos Rodon from the uh, Chicago White Sox will be leaving – where do they play? The north side? No, it's the – East Cubs. side? Can't be the west side. You don't want to go there. Is there – Is the know. lake – can't remember. I've been to Chicago a lot. I can't remember. where, where The lake is on what side? That'd be the north side or yeah. no, north I don't know. northwest been. side. I've never been to Chicago, Lake yeah. Michigan.
2: I know, I, I, but I've never been there. So side. You never been to Chicago? Not yet. Are you serious?
4: Nope, never been there. You grew up in the Midwest. Yeah, well, there's
2: other cities to go to in the Midwest.
4: Uh, then Chicago? I've been all over the Midwest. Let me tell you, if it's not Chicago or Kansas City, Cleveland. What are we maybe about? you go to Cleveland. Yeah, I've been to Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, I've been to Cleveland a few times too. You need to go to Cleveland once. Yeah, that's I, Cincinnati. Once. Indianapolis once. Drove through Indianapolis. Saw the uh,
2: Lucas Oil Stadium when I moved out here. I've done a football game there. There or the RCA Dome?
4: Oh, you would have done Lucas Oil. Didn't yeah, One. I've done Lucas Oil. Uh, so, Carlos Rondon has signed a two-year, $44 million deal, according to Jeff Passon of ESPN, who didn't get hacked today, was hacked yesterday. <laughs> What's well, still the best thing that happened yesterday. Before so, so, he gets... Two years, forty-four million. Interesting. One year, and then an option. So technically, technically, it's a one-year deal. Could be two for forty-four, but it is a one-year deal. So that's the biggest. I mean, that is the biggest news so far, as all the big boys are. Freddie Freeman's on the board. Carlos Correa's on the board. Trevor Story's on the board. Now ne- they're showing Nelson Cruz right now. See, I love. We got it. The new studio. I got some. Uh, I got some screens. We got. We got to have this running while we're on. So much information happens while we're on the air.
2: No, I, I want to see where Nelly Cruz goes, and it helps him for alike. the
4: A's. Maybe starting DH for
2: the A's, Nelson Cruz. Be great, but now with universal DH, he has fifteen other teams that'll be interested in him. Uh, the news has come out the details of the Clayton Kershaw contractor. Out- aAA
4: A the outlier. He's an outlier at his age and how yeah, good he is offensively. Yeah. He's a great one. He's a total outlier. Of I don't care what I don't I don't care what the age says. When you look up Nelson Cruz, he's over forty. Who he's forty two. I don't care. Yeah. He hits like he's. 28.
2: Yeah, and the ball, the ball, when the ball, the ball connects it off his bat, it explodes off the bat, you can, you can hear pop all around the ballpark. Thank you, Moneyball. <laughs> uh, Clayton Kershaw, one year, seventeen million dollars with incentives, according to John Heyman. As Jim Bowden, our friend of the program, our friend said, Clayton Kershaw takes a fourteen million dollar pay cut from thirty-one million to seventeen million
4: with incentives based on workload. Okay, there you go. See, that's how you can keep this relationship going, Clayton Kershaw. You've made your money. You've got all the awards. I would say if Clayton Kershaw walked away today, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Agreed. Now, do I believe he's a first? It doesn't matter. My my opinion doesn't matter. I'm not a voter. Uh, he, probably, he probably didn't give someone
2: an answer, so he won't get, all, he
4: won't get a vote from that guy. But he'd, be, he'd get in. But if he wants to stay in L.A. and finish his career in L.A., these are the type of deal. You need to be able to take your ego and go, man, I've made... How much money has he made? I'm going to say, look at I'm going to say he's made over 200 million in his career.
2: There's a, an angle I'm I can I'm going to pitch to you after we talk about how much he's made. Let me pull up his baseball reference. He's
4: made over 200 million. After taxes, he's got over 100 million in the bank.
2: Clayton Kershaw, at age 33, has made 257 million dollars.
4: I cut him I cut him short by 57 million. He's made two, almost
2: two, almost 258. He's
4: at 257.7. He's at almost 258 million. And taking a pay cut to seventeen million. See, that's how see, that's being smart. That's how you stay in the game. And then next year, if you have a good year, you say, you know what, I'm about winning and I rather hey yeah, I've made enough money. Go sign other guys, sign me to one year ten million. Is that really a slap in the face to say I'm an older guy, I only want $10 million a year? Is that really a slap in the face? Now, agents hate that. Agents always want you to go for the most. But you want to be in L.A., you want to win in L.A., and you want to be an aging player but stay on the same team, and you know what's best is to take less money. He did. He just did what's best for him as a person and his family and he did what's what's best for the organization. So they now can take that money and that and that extra money and go spend it on another player to help him win another ring. He's made two hundred fifty-eight million dollars in his career, and now he's making an extra seventeen. Come on, man.
2: We got less than three minutes, but I'm going to pitch this to you now. The Kershaw took a pay cut to stay with the Dodgers. What do you think of the idea that him taking a pay cut means they're going to bring in a, uh, you know, a free agent, pretty big name free agent? to play a position that they were, you know, uh, uh, as of need right now for them because they can slide players around. What do, what do you think he took a pay cut for? And it's not just one guy. It could be two guys. What if they try to sign either Freeman or Carlos Correa?
4: Well, if I'm Clayton Kershaw, wait, am I – Am I? Uh, wait, who who am I? Who am I? You're Clayton Kershaw. You took a pay cut. Oh, which I'm guy, thrilled.
2: Which guy – which guy – if you go into that office – Oh, I go with Carlos Correa. You can you can shift Trey Turner to second because a lot of people probably feel like he probably won't be back after 2022, so you can shift him to second. Then Gavin Lux, who knows what you do with him, uh,
4: and
2: then or you can have him DH maybe, and then you have that figured out. You can play. Oh uh, yeah, the DH. See
4: that's something we're gonna. The the DH in the National League is really something we're gonna have to get used to.
2: Well, then the other option is to play to get Freddie Freeman, put him
4: at first. And put Max Muncy at DH. You know, I don't want – Freddie Freeman's going to turn 33 years old. Do I need to go to the age regression model again? <laughs> um, I'm not signing a guy long-term who's going to be 33. He means more to the Atlanta Braves than he does to me. And you know what? One of You, you got Max Muncy. You got to hope he's going to be healthy, right? He's come off that that elbow injury,
2: so you're hoping that he's he's healed. And he's way cheaper. And now with that DH, well, he signed a deal, but it wasn't too it wasn't it was like team friendly. I'm pretty sure the deal Muncy
4: signed. Oh, it's way cheaper than what what Freeman's gonna get. We're talking about Max Muncy, the Dodgers, not Max Muncy of the A's. Uh, everyone, that's that that ship sailed a long time ago. And then you got Justin Turner that you're gonna have to work in at the DH spot. The DH spot really helps the Dodgers. That they don't need to go get a DH. That they got plenty of guys that they're going to need to be put there. In 2020, Max Muncy signed a three-year deal for how much? Thir- I don't know. $26 million. I was going to say thirty-six. He's
2: making like, what, a little under $9 million a year. It's pretty good. It's a pretty good move for the
4: Dodgers. Versus
2: Freddie Freeman, who's going to want, how much is he going to want? Probably, what, somewhere in the high 20s, maybe low, maybe $30 million a year
4: the do- the Dodgers, have been smart with their money. I would not sign Freddie Freeman. I I, I would much rather have Correa. Uh, I would too, but his back
2: scares me. But Freeman's eight scares me too. And you know, and you know what story? Who do you like
4: better, Correa or Correa. Seager?
2: Correa than Seager. I mean, Seager was great in the postseason, but I just think the upside is there with Correa. I just don't Correa.
4: Think- you're getting defense you're getting
2: offense, you're getting swagger, you're getting everything that you want from a guy
4: that that you want. And doesn't he doesn't doesn't Correa seem like he'd fit in great in LA? I think he'd fit in great in a lot of places. But I just think in LA where he wants to be a star I mean, as a Hispanic ball player in Los Angeles, I think he's just he could just be a star. I th- I do too. I mean, a guy of his talent fits in great anywhere, but I'm just saying, in LA. I,
2: I just, I don't want to wake up. I don't want to wake up tomorrow or Sunday and see Carlos Correa signs a seven-year, two hundred and forty million dollar deal with the Los Angeles Angels.
4: I would, <laughs> I would, I would, I would so love to see Carlos Correa as a Los Angeles Dodger. Me too. I think. I, you know why?
2: Because then we don't have to deal with him. Don't have to deal with them that I can hear all the Giants fans complain that the Dodgers are continuing to buy their championship. Who do we
4: got this year?
2: Oh, we got the we got the we got the National League East. Yeah, we got Yeah, so we
4: don't have to see him. We don't have to see him till next year.
2: Yeah. Well, depending where he goes, but yeah, if he sends the Dodgers don't see him till next year,
4: correct? I I am I am 100% get him at cuz in Detroit, we if he goes to Detroit, you still have to see him. That'd be the great thing about having uh Carlos Correa in LA is you don't have to deal with him. Uh,
2: last thing before we we end, um, so everyone's saying Correa to the Cubs. Don't think it's going to happen. They signed a one-year deal for four million dollars with Andrelton Simmons, or Andrelton. Everyone, I, Andrelton. Andrelton Simmons, and so that means they probably won't sign Correa. Correct. Although, well, because they got Nick Madrigal, who they got in the deal for Craig Kimbrell to play second base, now coming back. So yeah, they're not. Gonna, so that's that's a team that everyone thought Correa was going to go to. So will the Yankees pony up the dough? To bring in Carlos Correa, or will it be the Dodgers, or will it be a team like the Angels to come away with them?
4: Are you, or, or is anybody shocked that this kid has done so much? And as you said, been the swagger for these Astros that the Astros are like, "Nah, we're good," so we think. Yeah, I don't know. Like, why are the Astros? If he's the one guy that even in the face of the cheating scandal, he was the one guy that was, I'm still going to, I'm not going to will. They all wilted. He didn't wilt. No, not at all. He got in front of everyone and, you know. So why wouldn't you? So like, like, I don't understand. Or maybe they're just saying, ah, too much money in Bregman, too much money in Altuve. Uh, Verlander. Verlander's back.
2: McCuller. So McCuller has an okay deal. Um, I, I, I think that. It could be one of two things. One, they're nervous about his health. And two, I mean, their GM, James Click, comes from the Rays model. Maybe he doesn't want to keep that. Maybe he doesn't he thinks he can get someone, develop someone for it on the cheap. I'm not saying. I mean, I'm not saying that's what they're going to do. I mean, the Rays did just resign Wander Franco to a hyster- historic deal because they know how valuable he is. But what, don't you think the Astros would have done this with Correa years ago if they if they known how valuable
4: he was going to be going forward? Well, they offer. Well, they have offered him, but it was a slap in the face, according to insiders. The millions they oh, offered. Yeah. It was but, like one was like one I mean, he year. turned down. Okay, that's. That's interesting reporting right there. We were told he turned down X from the Tigers, like 275-ish. And then other report says that was never offered. It may have been talked about, but there was never a formal offer of years and money. So... And there you have his former manager, A.J. Hinch. 10 for 275. 10 for 2. So that is. There's no concrete evidence that was ever offered. That number could be
2: hocus pocus. Yeah, that's 27 and a half a year for a guy that's 20.
4: Is he 26 or 27? He's still young. But we acted like that. Oh, he turned that down. Well, reports came out recently. That technically he was never. Uh, they may have talked about it, but he was not formally offered. Here's ten for two seventy-five.
2: Yeah, if he wasn't formal, then I, they think that ne- I think they need to be in the running for him. I think your neighbor is hitting the floor. That was your phone that fell. Oh, was that? Yeah. My neighbors. It's four in the afternoon. They have no reason to bang on the floor. Plus, the people upstairs are louder than anyone I've ever heard in my life. Oh, we've gone over. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, I've been I've been scouring. No, no moves have happened. So. And then, you know, we have to deal with next week when we come back on. Um, not only will we be dealing with baseball free agency, but the NFL free agency is going to be beginning, too. So you're going to have both of those going on at the same time. And don't forget
4: Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek. I was going to play that spot here on the way out before. All right. Well, we will be back on Monday. We will be back on Wednesday from 1 to 4, and then replay it from 4 to 7. Friday, TBD. Yeah, we're figuring it out still. We'll be on the air at some point.
2: Yeah. Um, Monday, we're going to have uh, Matt Kawahara from, uh, hopefully, I think he's going to be in Arizona. Uh, we'll have our good friend Sarah Langs will be back. Uh, J- uh, our our friend Craig Mish will be here to preview the year for the fish. We're going to get our previews going, and I'm going to find an Orioles person as fish well. is going to be the first we're going to well I figured I picked the two last place teams in the AL and West, so I'm going to do we'll get the uh, an Orioles person on as well
4: by the way Kenley Jansen they're talking about on MLB Network right now developed a curveball mm. kind of changed his game a little bit he got back to being dominant you you're going to sign him long term he sounds like a Philadelphia Philly to me Just I saying. think Craig Krimble's okay. Craig Kimbrel sounds like a Philadelphia Philly to me. Isn't he still in the White Sox? Yeah, they're gonna trade him. But
2: they, right now, they have Kimbrell, Kendall Graveman, and Liam Hendricks. Yeah,
4: because Kimbrell <laughs> was not good outside of the closer role. Uh, well, he was terrible at the White Sox. So then, why would you? So yeah, they're maybe gonna you're bank,
2: maybe we're banking on to be good again. I don't know.
4: Where's he gonna pitch? Eighth inning. You have Liam Hendricks and you have uh, Kendall Graveman. Kendall could go six and seven. Uh, no, he's he's on the trading block. I mean, I would trade him, too. And they're going to try and they're going to try and and I and if I was doing the negotiation, I would be like, well, yeah, he sucked in the eighth. But he's not an eighth inning guy. He's a ninth inning guy. And for you in the ninth inning, he'd be great.
2: (laughs) That's that's a good way to sell it. It's like the for you. That's like the A-Rod. If you if you bring him here, here's why it's such a good deal. If
4: you give us and take his salary, he'll be great for you in the ninth inning he
2: was making like sixteen million dollars too or something. It was a an absurd amount of the cl- He's got it. some of the greatest, if not the greatest numbers of all time. He was a really good closer for the Braves and the Red Sox. And then he went to the Padres and yeah, it wasn't wasn't very good for him there in uh, San Diego. Well he went did he go did he go Braves Padres Red Sox or am I flipping it around? No he Padres then Braves. No, he started with the Braves.
4: I thought he went. I thought no, no, he got he traded. No,
2: he was a Brave as far his career. It was him and Johnny Venters. And so Eric. he went
4: Braves, Padres, Red Sox. I mean, just. All right, the show's over. I mean,
2: really? Now we're now we're debating. We're, I, I who cares? Where Craig Kimbrel play? I don't know some people like middle. People love middle reliever talk. Uh, Braves, Braves, Padres, Red Sox, Cubs, not White Sox.
4: He's a closer. Yeah, not a middle reliever guy. Don't forget that.
2: Three hundred seventy-two career saves. A 218 ERA. He has 1,026 strikeouts. If he has another couple solid years closing somewhere, could be a Hall of Famer.
4: We will be back on Monday from one to four. Correct? Correct. Everybody have a wonderful weekend. So great to have Maury Brown of Forbes. Ken Korak, the voice of your Oakland Athletics, Jesse Rogers from ESPN, and the manager of your Oakland Athletics, Mark Kotze. A's Cast Live, we're back in business, everybody. And it's so good to be back, and it's so good to be back for you. We can't wait to talk to you during the season, but we'll be back on Monday from 1 to 4. Enjoy the weekend, and enjoy listening to A's Cast. This has been a
0: presentation of the Oakland Athletics.